Welcome to the Fancy Boys Club podcast. This is part two of the Fancy Boys Club Film Society Top 10 Films of the 2010s. Everybody. Welcome back to the Fancy Boys Club podcast. I am Matt Trufke. Uh, I work for FancyBoysClub.com. Uh, we're a wonderful podcast, and this is part two of our best of the decade. I gathered up the Fancy Boys Club Film Society, who for uh, this project was uh, uh, Rick Copper, Gabe Ortiz, Kate Peterson, Skits M. Jones, and Wally Ismail, and we are going over part two of our favorite films of the last decade. This was a lot of fun. I had so much fun making this, and it's always great talking with these people. Uh, I will give a little bit of a heads up. There are a couple audio problems real quick in the beginning of this podcast, just because we were all having to use Skype, and that made things a little difficult. Also, my entire internet went down, so if there seems like a kind of obvious cut in the middle, uh, there's just nothing we can do to avoid that. Uh, All right, so knowing that, let's hop right in. And, and so with that, we're gonna get. We're just gonna jump in. Hey everybody, welcome back. Ha- Sorry. No, it's all right, Walid. Uh, way to fuck up an intro. Hey everyone, we're <laughs> back. Welcome to Fancy Boys Club. Best of 2010. Uh, we had a fun episode uh, recorded a couple weeks ago. We got through most everyone's 10 through 6. Uh, just leaving off some duplicates. Let's go around the room, see who's here. Everyone will just say hi. We start off with a Fancy Boy contributor, Kate Peterson. Hi. Fancy Boy contributor Rick Copper. Hi. Comedian, producer, musician Skitsum Jones. Greetings. Comedian, producer, musician, man of all trades uh, Gabriel Ortiz. So what's up? And uh, and comedian, producer, uh, uh, blogger as well Wally Dismile. Hello, hello. All right. Um. So like I said. Uh, we pretty much got through everyone's 10 through 6. One of the films we missed was a number 7 skits. It's actually your number 7. And we're going to hop right in. And I want to hear from you and as well from Rick, because Rick, it's your number 5. And we're going to talk a little bit about Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. Why did it make your list? Uh, for for similar reasons to why uh, Booksmart made my list, I, I felt like this... And I, I, full disclosure, grew up a poor white Catholic kid. So a lot of this movie really kind of spoke to me. Uh, And in addition to just feeling that um, verisimilitude of of my life shown on screen to an extent, uh, also having, um, oh, Laurie Metcalf, who, you know, I grew up with in that era being represented as aunt Jackie from Roseanne on my screen. So it added that extra element of like throwback, um, which I have to assume was intentional. Uh, and, uh, uh, Saoirse Ronan was fantastic. Like just top to bottom. I thought it was a, a fantastic movie of familial conflict relating to, you know, wealth and the lack thereof. <laughs> Rick, let's get your thoughts. Um, yeah, this one's also a, a bit personal because I went out, I went to school out there. So 
Sacramento and um, um, the whole teenage angst thing is is perfect. Um, Saoirse does a fantastic job. Tracy Letts as the dad is amazing. Um, besides just being an amazing playwright on his own. Um, just There's just things in the movie that, that the, the last part when she goes finally goes to college, I'm going to ruin it for everybody who hasn't seen it, but whatever. Um, when she has to introduce herself, say, hey, where are you from? In Sacramento. What? San Francisco. Because nobody wants to be from Sacramento. I, I don't know... A, uh, I don't know a woman who doesn't see the relationship between Saoirse Ronan and Laurie Metcalf and see their relationship with their mother in it. That's yeah. how I know how universal and effective that film is. True. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyone else with thoughts on Lady Bird? I actually have a thought. Uh, Lady Bird is one of the movies that I did not, uh, I had not seen when we, before we decided to do this podcast. It is also the only movie that, like, when you guys were saying, oh, this is top ten, and I'm basically dismissing all of you. This one, I gotta tell you, man, Lady Bird was real fucking good. Um, really, really good. I thought it was very strong, powerful. Just, I appreciated it. I don't know if it would have made my list, but I would have understood it more. It would have, it would have been in contention. All right. All right, well, let's keep moving on. And, Waleed, we're going to stick with you because your number five film is a film that launched a a really impressive franchise with three really great films. You have the very first one. So tell me why John Wick is on your list. Because it's the best action movie in the decade. And for that exact reason. I mean, it created a franchise, Mm. which is really impressive. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing dissent. Say your thought, Kate. Well, I mean, I it's good, and it's I um, uh, Keanu Reeves is like really. I don't know if you guys have ever seen like um, Man of Tai Chi, uh, mm-hmm. or like I mean, he's really been into like the um, uh, like martial arts action movies, and like I mean, he directed Man of Tai Chi, but like um, there's stuff that he really he's really taking from like maybe the movie that I like the best for the action movies. Like, I feel like he's, I mean, they, like, set this bar, like, that. we'll talk about the raid soon, but, like, they set this bar for action that I think, um, and I think that there's a lot of John Wick in, like, like and there's a lot of raid from, in, in the John Wick movie, that, you know, John Wick movies, so, and they even have, like, some guys from the second raid movie, like, in the third John Wick movie, so. They do. I'd like to point out, uh, I think the difference for me is there's an emotional connection with John Wick and his struggle that. I do not get. It's not just the action. It's the drive and the story that propels him forward that makes it such a good action movie, which, which is what also helped launch that franchise. I mean, the minute you kill a dog, uh, I'm on board with the guy who's killing everyone who had anything to do with that. So, yeah, I think the, I think the first film is also my favorite because it chooses to delve the least into the lore like here's what you know about john wick in the first one uh he sat his dog died he sat his wife died he killed the dude with a pencil like that's all you need to know about the film to create this universe and then as these films go on there is a lot more like backstory about like who these groups of assassins are and it's like i don't need that just show me a cool guy killing people. Like, that's all I need. I feel like the universe does get kind of absurd, like, sometimes. 
Like it gets where like like okay, do we all we all know a bunch of assassins probably because there's so many around. <laughs> well, like um, there's just they're at, like in the subway, the violin chick. I well now I'm going to the third one again too, but or the second one. So never mind, I'll stop. <laughs> As as far as the first one goes, is it a, a phenomenal uh, display of action? Yes. Is Keanu Reeves fantastic in the role? Yes. Is it one of my favorite action franchises? Absolutely. Um, that said, it's still the laziest conceit for a movie ever. They <laughs> they fridged his wife, but they did it by proxy by fridging his dog. Like. It's the tropiest thing ever. And if it wasn't as stylish as it is, it would just be another dumb action movie. I get that. All right. Well, we are in the middle of a hot action block because Kate. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I have to go back. I, I wanted. I was going to let it pass. I can't agree with you on the laziest thing, Skits. It's not something just because something is simple does not make it lazy. Uh, it's it would that the entire thing that propelled it is mourning. I mean, that's. It was simply done, and it was very effectively done. So, no, you're wrong. Sorry, you can go on, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I was saying, we've jumped into the middle of our action block. Because, Kate, your number five film is up before. Uh, You had mentioned it earlier. Uh, I also love this film. Just missed my list. Tell me a little bit about why The Raid Redemption not only made your list, but made your top five. Oh, I think honestly, it it's what um helped. Like I'm I'm in love with like uh, action movies, uh, especially with um like martial arts movies. And this to me changed like everything. Changed my total relationship to the genre. I like um the the camera work. Like there's no like you know everyone loves the Bourne movies and stuff, but I could get sick like watching like the shaky camera and like this is just it's just brutal. Like straight on, you don't miss anything. The guys are like believably good at this stuff um they do all their own choreography like it's just um and uh, and it's funny because Waleed's like all the story of like the storyline in John Wick um is emotional and like you know but this even this movie like um you know the the uh storyline is of course like they're just kicking ass in this you know kicking this drug lord's ass but also like it's about you know like uh, uh Rama saving his brother from uh, being arrested and probably like arrest, assassinated by police and um, there's I mean there's some emotion in this too I mean but like you watch it and you're like exhausted from how it just but you can't you're like yeah I get it like I mean it's, it's something I jump if I'm watching like I'll jump up and be like oh you know it's one of those <laughs> I just it's so visceral for me it's um, no yeah it's absolutely a movie that like the first time I saw it leaving the theater I was physically shaking with adrenaline yeah yeah that's a, a really, um, really succinct way to put it. It's like it, you are so involved, like you feel like you're, you're, do, you're doing that. Like you're the one making those like seven hits a second. <laughs> definitely, well, I can the, do that. The the raid movies are definitely ones that set a tone for action movies. After, it's when I compare you know, every like when I'm looking at fight scenes now. Like I feel like that is, I'm that's what I'm referencing really in my brain. Like is it as good? Is that you know? What's the uh, the camera movement is so important to me because I want to see I want to see what's going on. Um, well, yeah, and and you don't yeah. get a John Wick without this. You don't get Dread without this. You know, there's. I mean, there's uh, no like wife echoing in the background, like John. 
That makes a difference on an emotional connection. Um, here's the thing yes, with as we've the raid. These generic uh, European villains. <laughs> the, Sorry, John Wick is. Never mind. Look, the no, raid. it's fine. You guys, you guys can have your wrong, bad opinions all you want. <laughs> the raid. Now, the raid, the action on it is. It's incredible. It's spot on. Look, I won't even say it's probably it's it is it's better than John Wick, but it's not a better movie than John Wick. Uh, there are certain low budget things that I can see that just nitpick me, and I can't I I can't bring myself to put it in my top ten. Even though you're right, it's one of the best action movies of the decade. Hear me out. What if what if they added like a like a lady being like Rama Rama Rama. <laughs> with that and he just like a tear every once in a while I, it would be kind of random in the raid wouldn't it i mean <laughs> you don't introduce it or anything just throw it randomly in there that's kind of absurd <laughs> all right well we're gonna keep going with action films uh gabe you had a, a really interesting choice your number five is uh, luke Besson's uh film lucy tell me a little bit about with scarlett johansson tell me a little bit about why you like this film so much um well, obviously, Scarlett Johansson. Um, that, that's just like one of those things. But um, yeah, I, I like the whole idea and premise of it. And, um, you know, I like, uh, I just, I really like the story and, you know, how they, there's definitely some holes when you really, really, really think about it, you know, but um, when, when you think about the philosophy of it, but I like the idea that she just gets to use her brain and she can just do whatever the fuck. And um, I think they pulled it off well. I think it translated well. Um, you never were you never were wondering what the hell is happening right now. You 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 like they they did it for you without having to tell you what they were doing. And it, I, I just thought it was uh, really well. Um, executed and and uh, I liked I liked a, a a whole bunch of different aspects of it. Yeah, I like Scarlett Johansson. This film maybe not one of my favorite films of the decade, but Scarlett Johansson had a hell of a decade with I think of like this and uh, and uh, oh. uh, uh, Into the Skin. Certainly yeah. everything she did in the Marvel franchises. Uh -huh. uh, like she really this was the decade where like she really came into her own. And then to have a, this decade end with her in Marriage Story. Uh, which like number twelve on my list just missed out, and that performance she gives. She's yeah, she's certainly overcome all of her obstacles as one of the most beautiful women in the world to uh, you know <laughs> have been in a lot of movies. <laughs> oh come I mean, on, do you mean Kate, I, I hear, Michelle wasn't left out on purpose? Kay, I hear what you're I hear what you're saying, but I I think that going into this decade, the 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 reputation of Johansson was like she is wonderful to look at. Yeah, but I'll agree. Can and, she, uh, into the, can or, she was deliver that? Skin? Yeah. yeah, under the skin. That one is that's a that's a risky one right there. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else could have done it. No, I'm not, she, she I'm not sure I agree about that being her reputation. I think she came in doing art films. Uh, she didn't oh, yeah, really some big time she, franchises until then. I think. I don't. I mean, just because she's good looking doesn't change. It. There's plenty of good looking people who couldn't act their way out of a bag. Scarlett Johansson. No, for sure, she's she she is good. I'm not. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't like her. Um. I mean, she's evolved with the whole like race thing. I guess like not being like, well, I can do whatever movie I want. I'm Scarlett Johansson to kind of understanding now because oh, people yeah. get oh. kind of angry that you can't be the that being replacing the Japanese role is not um necessarily like the best. 
idea. Yeah, yeah but that, better actors. Yeah, I, I well, if I if I had to judge the choices of actors and what I would enjoy, there's not a lot I'd enjoy. Um, they're there to look pretty and act, as far as I'm concerned. Everything else, I don't care about. <laughs> as as far as the the merits of this movie itself. Um, yeah. Oh, back to that. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's full of so much bad science. Just so <laughs> so. But it's, it's yeah. It is, and that's why I like say there's. Whole, I mean, as opposed to what every other yeah. every it's other sci-fi movie, movie, you know, ships don't fall in space, right? Uh, right. But that's that that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like I know there's holes in the the logic <laughs> of the idea, but it's a movie and it gets oh, yeah. it, no, it's, it, it, it translates it like that's possible. Yeah, and we was, all know it's not, but I mean, you know. It it was it was very fun, uh, within its within its own universe. It was it was fun. Like I've seen it. Uh, I mean people like Avengers movies. You know what I'm saying? That shit ain't possible either. And, and I'll, I'll also say that, like, Luke Besson has made some real garbage movies. He made that Valerian and the Lost oh, City that Planet awful. that came out a couple he years ago. He also made but, some really good ones. And whatever he does, he brings a real beauty. To, like, he he clearly knows how to put his vision on screen and have it look gorgeous. 100% like agree. Lucy's a gorgeous film. Uh, and it's one of like, it's one of the more beautiful and like interesting looking films uh, of like a high budget action film of this decade. And like, so there's a lot good going for it. Yeah. Like, uh, like when, uh, when she can start seeing like the, the telephone and the computer waves and the electricity, like it's really like saying this, this chick is like tapping in, you know, mm. and it, yeah. it, it's good. There definitely is something about Luke Besson just being like, this is the world. You're either going to buy in or not. And I right. think that it works really well. Uh, <laughs> weirdly, another film uh, of that chance, uh, Skitch, your number five is a really interesting uh, original film. It was the debut film of Robert Eggers. It's The Witch. Uh, th- tell me why this film uh, is is is. Uh, number five on your list. Well, I'm in much the same way that Raid uh, kind of shaped action. I feel like this has definitely had a role in shaping current horror, especially period horror. Um, I I think uh, for uh, uh, is it is it Anna Taylor Joy Anya yeah. Taylor Anya Taylor Joy yeah Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, an, an impressive showing for her as, you know, someone who's really uh, blown up in recent years. I, I think that the interplay between interfamilial paranoia, uh, you know, developed in isolation and the, you know, the, the uh, society versus family, family versus individual, individual versus self, uh, the, the, the unsettling build and the, the, it doesn't rush. Um, and I mean, all the black Philip memes, how can you go wrong? <laughs> Unsettling so, yeah. is a good word for that movie. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's not a horror. There's in, in there being jump scares. It's a, it's a, a darker suspense. And I enjoyed that. I mean, now I gotta watch it. I haven't seen it. I usually, I'm not that big a fan of the genre, mainly because I don't like uh, jump scares, which is, well, it feels like they rely on like ninety percent of the time. So mm-hmm. at least the things that I am introduced to. 
but that sounds right up my alley. Yeah, I think it's one of those films that kind of we've talked about before where like it's clear that like the director had 100 percent control and that's all his vision. And I think we're going to see a lot more of those as we uh, as we keep going. Uh, it's time for my number four film, which is Paddington 2. I love this film so much and so hard. I think that there is a different I think there is a difference between a children's movie and a great movie that children can watch. And Paddington 2 is one of those latter films because it there is nothing there that is cheap or unearned or kind of like overly simplistic. Everything is done with finesse and care and a real like beauty and sense of art to it it's also ridiculously funny but it is funny in a way where um like it's not making jokes for adults that kids aren't going to get it's making jokes that everyone together can laugh at uh hugh grant has not been better in a film this decade Mm -hmm. brendan gleason has not been better in a film this decade it is so wonderful and and soft and precious innocent yeah it's it's pure is what it is but it's also really great filmmaking like there are uh scenes um where paddington is buying a a a pop-up book and this book is coming to life and you really see the director take care with that like it's such a it's such a wonderful film like it just it makes you feel warm inside and the word i would use is sweet yeah it's so it's so fucking precious like it's Oh my God. I, yeah, but not in not, a way where like, you're just like, like you said, it's not cheap. Like it's not um, like, I, I think I cried a little. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I also I thought after you were, you gushed about it on Facebook. You could almost hear his breathing change. I thought, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, it, it, to me, it totally was a kid's movie, Um, but I, I thought it was good. You know, it, it was, uh, there were parts where I could, uh, like fall into it and believe it. And there, there were parts where the animation where I caught like a little stupid thing. Um, there was only probably like three little parts in that, in Mm -hmm. the movie. Um, but I noticed them. And when I came out, it made it a little bit less like, I, I I, no, I get that. And sometimes that stuff can take you out. I like, I like when I, when I see a movie, I like getting lost in it and believing the whole thing. And then there's certain things like that, that if it goes, just outside of the groove just a little bit like you see a mistake you know somebody's smoking a cigarette and then they're down to the butt and next it's a whole cigarette it was something, something like that except it was with the animation and what did you have what about the bear and the peacoat walking around and befriending a family was hard for you to swallow no it was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah why do you hate Peruvian bears? that's what i want to know yeah i you know i'm just i don't know it, it no. was a it was a good, it was a nice sweet movie for sure. Yeah, and certainly or, like a lot of those acting performances could have been phoned in. But again, this Hugh Grant's doing the best work he's done in a long time in this film. Like you seem really going for it. Do you see the gentleman though? I yeah, and he's fine in that. Yeah, he's not say, as good as he I is would say the Paddington. gentleman was his best performance so far in uh, a while. I was gonna say that too. Like like the movie's not great. Not that I didn't, I didn't think love the movie, but I thought it was he fine. Was it was great. generic. That was the problem with the gentleman, but it's not 2010, so we probably shouldn't talk about it. 
right. Well, I'll tell you what uh, we can talk about is uh, Rick's number four film. Uh, it's from a filmmaker. Guys, I think he's going to have a big career ahead of him. His name's Quentin Tarantino. Uh, okay. Rick, <laughs> your number four film is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Seems like a flash in the pan to me. Tell us a little yeah. bit how it. Tell us a little bit how it I showed up. In your I life. can't have a, a a best decade without having a Tarantino film in it, because I just love the guy and I love his mm-hmm. writing style. Um, and I picked this one out of the three that he did. I think he did three this last decade. Yeah. Uh, so that that's mainly the reason. Uh, Brad Pitt was amazing in it. Um, I don't think anybody could play California Cool and beat the crap out of people. And I know some people have an issue with the Bruce Lee part. Fuck them. Okay? It's a fucking movie. It's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which means it's a fairy tale because it doesn't end the way it did in reality. Ah! Excuse me. Reality. So there. You know, I got to say right now, you just actually made me regret that I don't have a Quentin Tarantino movie in my top ten because you're right. He probably should have at least one. But having said that, this would not be the one I choose. I thought oh, okay. that it was. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I, I mean, I, this is my least favorite Tarantino movie, and I, I mean, it's not that it's a bad movie. It's cool, but I, I, beyond that, I, I don't really care for I, it. I, it, I think the biggest problem is Tarantino's fetishes are finally overtaking the films he's making, and <laughs> not just the foot thing, but Ooh. his very fetish for Hollywood itself. I I think it's this is a movie that's up its own ass about Hollywood as La La Land is, this, but with this, more style and better. I would disagree. I think this is him doing it in an interesting way, though. Yeah. Like what you're saying. Um, I, I mean, I enjoy this movie. I kind of agree with Kate, and it's in my lower half of Tarantino movies, which still makes it really fucking good because he only makes really good movies, as far as I'm concerned. Like I know going in, it's just how much I'm going to like it, not whether I'm going to. He, I, I can't. I don't. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Pointed me as a director, and that's that's a list of one. I really love the fact. I guess I'll disagree with you in that I love the fact that this is a love letter to Hollywood and how yeah. it shapes the film, specifically how it shapes the ending. Um, I think that this is Tarantino's maybe one of his more focused looks on a specific genre and time and period. And I like the fact that he just wants the sun to like stay in the sky of this time in Hollywood for like another 24 hours or like another month or whatever. Like there's something really I think this is his I think this is the film where like he is trying to be and I know it's a word I used in Paddington and it's weird to compare these films but it's the film where he's trying to be the most precious like where you see him taking real care with these people uh I think it helps when you have Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio doing what they're doing uh Rick I completely agree I think this is Pitt's best role I'm drawing a blank Margot Robbie Margot Robbie I I honestly just as Maybe better than their performances. Even Brad Pitt's. Her performance was so good. I but find her I agree. She's dark. fantastic in anything she tries. Oh, yeah. so. No, it, it, everyone is fantastic, and Tarantino is a very good director. I don't dispute any of those points, and I'm a fan of most of his movies. Just for me, the this movie, like Matt said, is Tarantino being precious, and Tarantino's always been precious, but it it's like that moment in Everclear's career when they all got kind of happy and, <laughs> and it just, it stopped working. Like, I where's think, the alcoholism? I'm not, I'm, this song's no I, fun. What, <laughs> I, 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 it's too, 
it's too into itself. And you feel like I, he's I, just got too much money now? It's not money necessarily. I, I think it's just, A, he, he lost his editor. And, I mean, I think that's had an effect on his movies. I would agree since. with that. Um, and then I think it's just, he's, he's making the movies for himself and, and the things that he adores, which is wonderful. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that makes a movie in my top ten. Well, we are not yet done talking about Quentin Tarantino, but we're going to have to uh, hold off because coming up next, Waleed, it is uh, it is your number four. It is another family film. It is, uh, again for you, the first film in a trilogy. That seems to be a reoccurring theme with us so far. And it's How to Train Your Dragon. And tell me a little bit about uh, why this uh, showed up on your list. I mean, y'all seen How to Train Your Dragon, right? There's a reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is... That is one of the best animated movies ever, as far as I'm concerned. Not decade, but it's so unbelievably good and powerful. And, I mean, if you've read the book that it's based on, it is nothing like that book. Uh, usually, when a movie well, decides glad to you brought it up, book, uh, I think it ends up being worse. This is something where I think it ended up actually being stronger. Um, it is... It's it it's just the best animated movie of the decade, I think. And I I think if you brought it up to most people, they'd be hard pressed to argue it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it DreamWorks sure doesn't uh, get a lot of credit for how good a lot of the their animated films are. Really, like it's always like stuck into Disney, but this is really good. This it's a really good series. I mean, this is a really good movie. No, I like it a whole lot. It shows up kind of low in like my top hundred. Wally, I personally have a couple animated films over it, uh, 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 like Pixar and uh, Toy, Toy Story Four. I have the Lego Movie over it, but it's it's certainly good and worth being Toy on this. Toy Story list. Four and Lego Movie were both really close to me on that, but this one is just it just it just resonates. It just connects. Uh, finding your place is just a universal theme. Uh, trying to fit in. And like into the world around you, find the place, and at the same time shaping it is just such a powerful, powerful thing. Yeah, I I completely agree. We're gonna keep working through people's number four. Uh, Tarantino shows up again, uh, very quickly. Uh, Kate, he made your list, and he made your list with Django Unchained. Why don't you talk a little bit about it? Well, I mean, it's you know, revenge films are so you can't talk about revenge without Tarantino coming up anyway. But um. I love, you know, everyone loves, I guess, like his, like, alternate reality, like, what would I have done if I, it was me back then? Like, I wouldn't, you know, I would have been a part of this. I would have been shooting people and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's a really cool, like, um, I guess, like, fantasy trope thing that he does where you get to, you get to kill Hitler. You know, I mean, he's good at that stuff. Um, well, and it makes you feel like, of- like, you're like, yeah, I get, you know, get him. Like, you're, the bad guys are so bad, you know? They um, even say it in the movie a little bit, too. The, uh, like, one in a hundred. Like one in a thousand, like would be able to do what yeah, uh, right. Jamie mm-hmm. Foxx does. Yeah, well, I mean, and for him to um, just uh, like the the slavery stuff, like um, is not like you don't pity anyone, you know. Um, and he's he's just uh, just this hero that like, and I I know like um, what's interesting to me is like the the roles offered to Will Smith, I guess. But he wouldn't take it because oh, he thought the Christoph Waltz character yeah. was the main character and he didn't want to be the side, you know, side guy. But um, and Christoph Waltz is so, so great in it. But I think yeah. Jamie Foxx really just, like I mean, I would never say that it wasn't his movie, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's such a cool like um, 
uh, I mean, it's really, it's so stylish. I mean, you know, you can recognize a Quentin Tarantino movie from anywhere, but as far as like revenge goes, I feel like, um, and I know you have like Kill Bill is, is when you think of revenge movies, that's the one that you come up with. But this one is, I feel like so relatable for everyone, like where you think about um, just injustice and stuff. And like, if you could see those people get their comeuppance, like God, like what a way to do it, you know? Yeah. I also think that this film has a very interesting role in what Samuel L. Jackson is doing, just in the sense that, like, I think it would be easy to see Leonardo DiCaprio as the villain. But when you look at what Sam Jackson's role is and what he's doing and what he's playing in this film, I think it's his best work in any Tarantino film. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's just as much a villain as DiCaprio, but it's in a very different way. Like, it's a complete betrayal of your own kind. It's it's and it, you're right. It's it is it might be his best. I don't know. Oh, that's hard to say. All yeah. his performances. Well, are he good, doesn't get but... to look like anything but Sam Jackson in like 99 percent of the things that he does. Yeah. So the fact that he's just this old decrepit guy yeah, and you, still, um, I mean, to he's me, that scary, movie, but he's not as physically show. like like Samuel L. Jackson is like powerful, but you don't really feel that physically from him in this. Like it's it's like a transformation for him in my opinion, which is nice to see. You don't, I mean, as like versatile and I think as, um, as good as he is, you don't get to see him play people that, you know, you, you see, you're like immediately that's Sam Jackson, but this is, um, you kind of can forget that. No, I agree. All right. Well, we are moving through the number fours quickly. Gabe, let's get back uh, to you. Your number four film was Chronicle, uh, which was a film I really enjoyed and had kind of forgot about until I saw it on your list. Tell people about why it's showing up here. You know, um, it kind of goes back to, it's it's totally my genre. It's totally uh, something right up my alley, something I really find interesting and, like, totally cool. Um, and, you know, the way that they do the story, it's not quite like um, Blair Witch, per se, because it's basically a bunch of kids that are, you know, shooting their own shots with their own camera and kind of documenting documenting their lives and um just the whole idea i love i i love the i love the whole idea of the movie and how they pull it off and i love like the moral choices that are made in it and um you know it's it's a good and evil type of thing it's a power thing it's a what would you do type of thing and they really make it believable and then you know you know without any spoilers and stuff like that you know, um, from the way that they start doing the camera work to the way it evolves to towards the end, um, they don't really necessarily say it to you, but they kind of introduce it to you, and then it makes sense for the whole movie. And it, it's just, uh, it's like, like I said, you know, for Lucy, like it's far fetched, but they make it believable, and um, I really like the sh- the stuff that's going on in it. No, I love this film. I really like this film a whole lot. Um, again, like it was, it was, it told its story clearly the way it wanted to. I agree with you that it was some real original filmmaking, which is crazy because the guy who made it, Josh Trank, would then go later to make on uh, the Fantastic Four remake, which was god awful <laughs> and had really uh, no it, it originality. Was a good movie hiding in there, but yeah. And you know what? Like, look at that cast too. How how did you make a bad movie with Miles? Well, Miller? they he had uh, a big problem with studio creep. involvement. 
Like they had a lot of there was a there were a lot of problems. I oh, think I, I know a lot of problems, yeah. but I mean like oh. well, and and that's the thing is is that I remember watching that and going back and remembering how much I really enjoyed Chronicle and being and like oh, where yeah. where is the director? Chronicle. They they, they did it straight off the story. There's no there, there's not one big star in Chronicle. No, it, but what I like about Chronicle too is just the way they told that story. Uh, I, I, I'm always a sucker for that real life superhero. You know, yeah. that guy, like how it would happen in real time and uh, the choices they made in that movie. It was like, it's not going to make my top 10 even being a superhero guy, but I understand why it would be in yours. Like, I, it was a movie I enjoyed thoroughly. Yeah, it's, it's a dope movie. If you want to see a good real take on superheroes, you got to see Super with Rain Wilson. That's, no, uh, that's good. Yeah, and Ellen Page. Is a really good film. <laughs> Wait, are you kidding? I'll check well, it how out. How do I not know this movie? Oh, it's, it's, it's dark. Really? <laughs> Super right. It's pretty dark. Ellen Page and who? And Rain fun. Wilson? Rain Wilson, really? Okay. I'm writing it down. All right, let's <laughs> keep going. Skits, we are back with you. And I think you are the only person who had one director have two films on their list. Uh, Ex Machina showed up for you earlier, and Alex yeah. Garland returns with Annihilation. It's your number four film. Uh, I guess here's my question is, why, uh, why is this film above Ex Machina, and why is it your number four? I question that also, because I just watched uh, Annihilation for the first time to prepare for this. I thought, A, it was one of the best examples of body horror since Cronenberg in his prime. Uh, which okay. is is a genre that does not often get indulged in, especially in something smart. Uh, I I thought this was such a dynamic exploration of what separates us from each other, what separates us from nature, what separates us from uh, our ourselves our loved ones you know you you see through flashbacks and 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 moving forward the the dissolution of the the relationship um uh between natalie portman's character and oscar isaac's character you you watch uh as as paranoia works through the group as they as they're not trusting each other and then not trusting even themselves all the subtle hints as to how things are being refracted whether it's tattoos moving from person to person or eye color changing you know no matter how big or how subtle everything is being remixed as we're watching the movie and it was so weird and unsettling um uh that i i really enjoyed it uh i thought the soundtrack choices that that reflected how uh the the shimmer was affecting the, the narrative, I, I thought the soundtrack choices were fantastic. And I also have to mention it's Oscar Isaac's third appearance on the on the list. So oh, and he's not, do- he's not done yet. Either. Oh, no, not yet. Uh, no, he's not. I, I really love this film, too. Uh, uh, Ex Machina may be um, my preferred Garland film, but this is a really great, interesting, original film. And it really showed what he can do when you give him a lot of money. I... To this day, still think about that bear that is kind of half it's covered terrible. in that bear is I was about to bring it up. Oh, that bear and, and screaming with the with uh, uh with the, yeah, with the woman's voice. voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's yeah. dying. 
like that uh, memory being trapped. That's an interesting and horrifying thought. Here, here's here's my issue with Annihilation. Now, um, beautifully directed. The cast is phenomenal. I thoroughly, I, I literally just stopped, just finished watching it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But my problem with this, and the reason why I would not put it above Ex Machina, is because at the end, as visually stunning as it was, there was no payoff. Uh, there needed to be some kind of turn for me. And, like, the way, but in a movie like that, there should be a turn, and there wasn't. Like, it was pretty much, in a, a lot of ways, the ending was cookie cutter, which almost ends up making me feel disappointed in the first hour and 40 minutes of that. I don't know. I think it leaves a lot of questions open, which is um, both frustrating but fitting, I think. I well, think that, so there, I think there's that, also a source material for this. It is based on a, a book series. And that's and that's that fair. said it it separated greatly from the book series. Yeah. Um beyond I think the basic And that's premise. a series too. Is there there's a there's a sequel to this? There are Just a couple the of books. in the book. Yeah. yeah. Are, is, I'm kind of curious if they're going to do anything with it or if they had any thoughts on it. I I, mean, I think this well is probably a one-off, but it left it left the universe open with that that seed that the the shimmer, uh, the the refraction and the remixing, and it's all about balance. You know that was another big uh, thing that was shown throughout. There was always some element of a of a symmetry, and things didn't become symmetrical until both uh, Oscar Isaac and Natalie Portman were out of the shimmer, but with the the shimmer still in them. Yeah, possibly being replicas, possibly not, but it doesn't really matter because they're not themselves before yeah. they went in. And that symmetry of them finally being together, both changed and able to seed. And yes, that, you could, you could argue that of, that's kind of body snatcher. Yeah, oh, but is it really over? But I, I think it it wasn't done for the 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 same turn of like. But is it? And it was more just, and this is how. Yeah, no, I get you. Like, find symmetry. There's so many. That was one of the most original things I've seen in a long time. And Waleed, to bounce off something you said, because I understand why people could think that that ending is a little cookie cutter, as maybe you've seen that kind of take before. And I don't, at this point, I don't want to spoil the movie. I, I do think people should see it. However, what I will say is that both with Ex Machina and Annihilation, these were probably the two films of this decade where, when, and like I see most films with my wife, is that when we got out of the theater, all we wanted to talk about is, in the universe of this film, what happens next? And I think there's something really yeah. powerful to that. I, no, I can dig that, too. Like, I, Really, I think what it comes down to is the ending to Ex Machina, uh, it did something to me. I was angry, almost, for a few days uh, at the choices, and yet at the same time, I didn't see how it could have ended any other way. That was, like, the conflict it, like, created in me. Uh, is why that movie was so powerful, and frankly, why it's on my top ten list and Annihilation isn't. Uh, this See, one, uh, while I'm curious about where it's going, it it didn't have the same impact. Like in a lot of ways, that's because Ex Machina was almost designed uh, for that, because there was a moral question to everything that was being done, and maybe that's the difference. Well, and I, I think with this, you know, it, as you watch every person who enters the shimmer, they all enter because they're lacking something. And that lack of something 
is ruining their interpersonal relationships, ruining the things around them. And what they wind up finding in the shimmer is also that symmetry and that balance that makes them whole again. Again, the, the Oscar Isaac, Natalie Portman relationship, uh, the, you know, the, everyone who enters, they make a very specific point of talking about what has been lost and what winds up being found through this, uh, this, this mixing of, of, and, and removing of separation, uh, between self and the existing world around. And I think that's smarter than if you want to see how Ex Machina ends, watch Westworld. Yeah, I think that's a. I mean, I think that's an interesting point. <laughs> it keeps going. You know uh, what? I, Westworld's still on my to-do list. I might what? actually churn that out this next week just to do it. All right. Well, while you're doing that, we will move on uh, <laughs> because my number five film, Rick, it's your number three. Uh, it's. I thought it was the best film of last year. Uh, so did the Academy because it was their best picture. Rick, I want you to tell me a little bit about Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Uh, Parasite is. It's just, to me, the whole, it's a beautiful story. It's well done. And the ending was just, holy shit. And it just carried with me. I just kept thinking about it over and over and over again. It's like, you know, just, just watching the, the whole social dynamic and these people saying, you know, we should have this too. And just taking it. No, absolutely. And I think that this film, it is so perfect for the time we are in. And I think that something that uh, Bong does so well is mood management. Uh, uh, depending on what you're coming into the film with, something that happens can can have a bunch of different reactions. Like my wife and I saw this in a theater. There's a scene, and not to get into too much, but there's a scene where a character gets kicked down a flight of stairs in the theater I am in a third of the people are gasping in horror. A third of the people are laughing. Like a third (laughs) of the people you just hear their breath come in. Like it is a, a, it is a funny moment, but it is also shocking. It is also very telling of what that story is trying to do. It is such a, it's such a masterful story. When we did the fancy boys wrap up of 2019, we talked about that a theme for the year is what is someone willing to do to get power? And what is someone willing to do to keep power? And I don't know that there's a film that does it better than parasite. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. All right. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to jump in on this. Oh, sorry. You go go first, kids. Well, I was going to say it's it's a it's a fantastic parable about the myth of upward mobility among classes. Uh, it it's masterfully done. Um, I saw it actually very recently because I saw it for this podcast. I hadn't gotten a chance yet. Um, it's beautifully filmed. It's very self-contained. Uh, it breezes through some things and it raises some questions that I don't know if it has answers to, which I'm sure is the point. Um, it doesn't have to either. And that's right. all. Yeah. No, like I said, it, it's, it can very clearly be the point. I, I think you're left feeling some amount of, of sympathy while also some amount of disgust with people at all three of the different status levels within the movie um yeah it was it was great it was a great flick i 
it wasn't on my list simply because I hadn't seen it yet. I mean, it is what, it is it is a heroless film. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I'll, I want you to. I will just say real quickly before you answer that. It is a heroless film, and it's a villainless film. Like there is no person that is doing things yeah. for like. Yeah. And what I like is that this film almost was going to a point where it would make you think that like that this rich family was just like they were just kind of in the way. Like they were just. It was just a random thing, and like they really weren't doing bad things. But as you, as the film goes on, and you kind of see like ways little small things they do to treat this family who is like helping take care of them. And it like, it just helps build the tension for what yep. is to come. And Rick, you're right. It's the most batshit ending uh, that See, I saw all of that year. Yeah. Here's my thing with it. Oh, well, first off, would it have made your top 10 skits? I really want to know the answer to that. I, I think it, it would have definitely been in contention. I don't know what would have slipped. I haven't even seen it yet. Take its place. Yeah, it's um, so good. Gabe, you got to get on it. It's very good. Gabe, I'm going to say it right now, you absolutely have to see it. My issue with it, and I'm not going to spoil it because I want Gabe to join, because everything you said is right, and I absolutely love that movie. Uh, and I think I'm. this is me really just being nitpicky here. I just think it went on five minutes too long. As simple uh-huh. as that. Oh, I disagree. I, it was a uh, – it, it was a uh, – it was a uh, – for me, all of the films in my top five I think are are – are perfect films and well and, obviously they're in your top and, five and, it's and why par- it's not mine <laughs> parasite is that to me and let's talk about kate let's talk about your number uh three film uh we're delving into horror now we're also starting a, a series your number three film is the conjuring tell us a little bit about uh why that film is on your list okay so james wan has really become huge in like horror right um lately i mean he's he's um made this whole like universe, I guess, out of the conjuring and uh, everything has worked, you know, really well for the most part. Um, but this film is, I think it's hard to make a horror movie. That's a good movie too. Um, it's, you know, with, um, like, uh, Waleed was saying like jump scare stuff that's so played out and, um, like you have, um, and even though like, like, I guess I, I get conflicted about this, these movies because I think the, the main characters like Ed and Lorraine Warren or whatever were like, terrible scam artists but the stories are so interesting um and uh, i think that this is um the, like the reason it's so frightening is because it just involves this family and you care about what happens to them but um it's not i mean even though um like when you're thinking about scary movies and like demons and stuff like it's not something where you're like oh, that could never happen it feels like real you know um it feels plausible and the the fear is real because like there are stakes, you know, this, this poor family is having to go through this. And, um, the, I mean, the acting is great. The, this, it's really hard. I think for horror movies to have like a good script and good, like human to human interaction. And that's important to me. I hate like cheesy movie lines and stuff. Like I, it can take you right out of what you're watching, but it's so, it's, it's almost a perfect movie. I really think so. Um, yeah, no, James Wan is so, I think where James Wan is so effective as a horror director, and he's, as you see this, is like he has also directed other genres of films. Like he's made a Star Trek. He's made Fast and Furious movies. He's made straight comedies. And I feel like this movie is scary because he's not filming this like a horror movie. Does that make sense? Uh, uh, well, I think so. Like, well, look, can you elaborate? I just feel like 
there are certain horror directors, and I think, I, and I guess to go that, I, I think about like the classics, like Wes Craven, uh, people like that, who like they have things shot in a certain way. You know how they're going to be. Tension ratches up in a very specific formula. James Wan does not care about your formula. Yeah, I see what like, you mean. Like it's not there's not a format. You're right. There's not a format or formula involved in this movie. It's um, you you could turn it on when it's not a scary part, and you can. It's just a, it's a different, you, you wouldn't really know, you know, like by the yeah. way it was shot, like, it's, yeah, it's I, a I weird, it's a weird a thing point. to say, like halfway through this movie, if he would have been like, maybe it's a romantic comedy. I also have no doubt it could have been one of the great romantic comedies of this decade. Like, and I think that's really impressive, uh, uh, to what Juan does as a filmmaker and to this film, like, I am not a big horror fan. As my wife will tell you, I get scared very easily. Uh, but oh. this film really captured me. Uh, in a way I didn't expect it to. Does anyone else have thoughts about The Conjuring? Um, I think it's another one of those that kind of set tone. You know, uh, there's a definite swath of things that all want to be The Conjuring, um, including progressive Conjuring sequels. Uh, <laughs> it's it's good. Um, it's, it's good at what it does. Uh, I actually, I saw this one in the theaters. It was... It was fine. It's yeah. I think he makes a really good use of things that you don't see, like um, just a lot of like uh, reaction from like actors and like the music. Like you don't have to know exactly what you're supposed to be afraid of, but you're still scared. Like it's um, like there's a scene where the little girls are in their bedroom and this girl is insisting that there's this awful monster demon thing talking to her and saying it's gonna harm her family. No one else can see it. No one else can hear it. You can't. But you see, like, she's so scared, and it's terrifying to me. No, it's, yeah. And part of that is is how great that cast is, also. Uh, all right, well, we're m- moving on. Uh, a little bit of a different film for number three. Gabe, it's your number three. Uh, it stars a little-known guy named Bradley Cooper. I think, again, I think there's gonna, I think he's gonna hit it big one day. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about Limitless and how that showed up on your list. You know, he might make it big. Uh, you know... This one is another one of those right up my alley. Um, just, you know, I, I obviously like the theme of, you know, being able to use your mind as much as possible. And so I always thought that there would be a pill like there is in the movie. You know what I mean? And um, it's, it's another one of those things where they just translate it well. And, you know, they take you into movie world and they make you believe the story that they're telling. And, you know, obviously, uh, or not obviously, I don't know. For me, I'm a, I'm, I love movies, and I love getting lost in a world that I'm not in. I like believing stuff that is just like, whoa, that's, yes, give me one of those pills, and I'll take over the world. What if that was possible? Yeah, and, you know, that's just it. It's like, you know, we've done whatever we've done, and we've all thought, like, that made me smarter today. But, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just like, hey, you know, um, I believed it. There was a good storyline. There's, you know, there's a good, like, little back and forth twist at the end, which makes it more of a satisfying movie to me. Um, and it's just, uh, it's one of those movies that I just really enjoyed. And if, if it's on and I'm clicking through the channels, I will stop on it and I'll watch the whole thing from wherever I find it. So it it's going to be one of my top movies. 
Gabe, I get you. This is like Dude Lucy, though. I feel like you cheated. <laughs> but see, dude, that's exactly it's my wheelhouse. It's like what I'm like. If it's not time travel, which I didn't find any time travel movies, this is totally my genre. This is like something that I'm I'm just into, you know. I, I no, I love that. I like. So, I, I feel like I learned you? a lot about you guys um, with okay. your your movie choices. Um, and I I still like like one of you. <laughs> okay. Also, okay. is it Bradley Cooper kind of the dude Scarlett Johansson? He probably is. Yeah, pretty much. He, he probably is. It took him a while to break out, though. Like, if you look at his starting class, like, yeah. uh, like Matt Damon and those guys, and uh, what's his name? from Also from Rounders. Uh, Ed Norton. Norton. Yeah, those guys were all coming up at the same time, but he didn't get famous for like 10 years later. But here's my thing on Limitless. You know what I, uh, what I want to point out is the way it's directed. Uh, they do a very good job of when he takes, like, when the pill is working and it's just like at the different lens, like, it's, yeah. it's a different visual for how the world is. Like, it's bland. The world is boring and muted when he is not u- utilizing his brain. It, it, this is a movie, when I came out of the theater, I remember just, I remember, like, this is, it didn't make my list, but it was one of those things where I was like, is this a movie I should be considering? Like, it was close, because it, yeah. was, it was an interesting, fun movie. I mean, when you get into, like, movie stuff right there, you, you, just, you, you just said something important, though. The telephoto lens that they do that effect and they they really translate what's happening right there, that, like, I mean, that's what movies are about. It's about manipulating cameras and stuff like that and and showing, you know, really good editing and time-lapsing and and, uh, zooming and, you know. And not just that, too. The story, too. Like, this is a movie in a lot of ways about avarice, about greed. Like, the way all these people react to this pill and just... The way it all converges at the end, it's it's a it's a pretty it's a strong script, really well directed. It's this is a good movie. No, I agree. Show sucks. <laughs> uh, moving on, we're gonna handle uh, uh, sketch. Your number three film is maybe the only uh, I think it's the only Pixar film uh, on the list. It's a it's a beautiful uh, film. Tell us about Coco and why it's uh, why it's here. So, first off. Uh, like you said, it's it's absolutely beautiful. The art is amazing. It is it is gorgeous to behold. Uh, seeing it on a on a big screen is one of my better movie watching experiences. I wept openly in the theater during this movie, uh, as did everyone around me. Um, I I think the 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 themes around family uh, are so so tangible and so universal uh you know connection and disconnection and longing and trying to find you know what's what's absent fill those holes and and uh reconnect with the things around it there's just so much to like about this movie and uh as far as animated features it's it's one of the highlights that stands out to me from the decade in a very strong decade yeah. No, absolutely. That that the music in that film is perfect. The way it integrates culture is so perfect. Um, uh, I don't know that I cried harder at a movie all this decade, specifically with that song "Remember Me," which is so wonderful. Yeah. You know, I'm Mexican, and um, it actually like I'm Mexican, and I was born in Winfield, Illinois. So 
you know, with the last name like Ortiz, you know, you're supposed to be, speak Spanish and all that shit. And I can't, which is embarrassing. <laughs> However, um, I love the movie uh, because of the visual effects, but it also taught me shit about my um, heritage that I didn't even know. Like, after that movie, my, my brother passed away. And, um, you know, like, I, I lit uh, candles for him. On that day, as well as, you know, um, his birthday and, you know, all that stuff. It really taught me something about my heritage. So I love that movie visually. I love the story. I love the sentiment of the music. But um, I love it that it, uh, that it also taught me stuff that I didn't even know about my heritage. So, yeah, I oh, agree. So sweet. Oh, oh. I, um, I was just like, what's the big deal? Why is everyone crying? There's an afterlife. You can do anything. <laughs> We've already established that you have no heart, Kate. Uh, <laughs> for yeah, those of us yeah, who true. feel things, who deeply feel, Coco was such a beautiful movie. It's so touching. Like the journey of like, almost finding your family within that and learning about your family. It's really like it. it you could, I could have made a top 10 list of the best movies of the decade, and they could have been all animated films. I don't think there's ever been uh, a better decade for animated feature films. Than the that than that, that decade. I mean, there's so many things. Toy Story 4 just messed out. Inside Out. There's so many good movies. And mm, yeah, I, something else I I like about this one is it it also tackles the uh the idea of of hero worship and yes meeting your idols and yeah never meet your heroes that yeah and somebody it's yeah right. I mean there's murder in it too. Which is pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's there's some very grim, dark elements to this movie. Um, but it never feels it's a movie about death that never feels macabre. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think that's, that's a perfect explanation. That is a great description of it. And that's a hard line to straddle, too. All right. Yeah, Let's I mean keep... a kid's movie about death, like that's that to pull that off for, is, for a huge. movie about death, it's a celebration of life. That's really what it is. Well, that's something that Disney's been doing its entire uh, studio career also, and I think that's so wonderful. Uh, so moving on, uh, we're getting to – Waleed, it's your number three. Uh, Rick, it's your number two. Rick, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit uh, about the wonder that was Jordan Peele's Get Out. I just I – just, I really love the combination of horror and an inter interracial relationship – and the whole social dynamic of, you know, this poor guy who's trying to fit into a, a family that's completely fake. And it, it's and it's so disturbing. The party scene is very disturbing and it just makes me itch. And it just and then when he just turns it on into the whole horror aspect of it, it just it was just beautiful. Yeah, it really took a left turn. It surprised me. I, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that does not like to watch um, any kind of previews or uh, read any kind of like information. I like to go into movies blind and see where it takes me. And that really, uh, I was like, what is going on? Honestly, God, even if you had seen previews, which I had, you still would have been like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like, oh my God. Look, here's my thing. I felt. I've told you I'm not a big fan of the horror thriller genre because I feel like they utilize jump scares. This movie did not do any of that. This was an absolutely terrifying movie. 
when I came out of that theater, I remember uh, talking to my buddy. Sorry, I shouldn't use the word buddy when I'm talking about Josh Chuboff. He's going to hate mm-hmm. that, but sorry. My friend, Josh, and I said... Your crippled friend, Josh. <laughs> you can't call him buddy. My buddy. My buddy. Oh, I can't oh, say that. Oh, sorry, Josh. No. The thing <laughs> I remember saying to him is, that's just what we needed. Something to make white people more scary. Uh, as a minority... <laughs> Uh, no, really, it really called out this that liberal white racism that like under the skin yeah. resentment oh, that like yeah. it like I I watched it and I just cringed the whole but time. It, it's, not, it's not even a cringe. Even underlying that cringe, they made it into a deeper horror, and that is incredible to be able to utilize that kind of like social message while still being scary as hell. I mean, that that movie. That movie is a work of art. It's yeah, yeah, his di- directorial debut, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. not, yeah, absolutely. And it is interesting what you say in that, like, the villain of this film is, like, all rich white people. Like, that's a brilliant turn. Uh, and it's something Jordan Peele did really well. Yes. Yeah. True. Uh, yeah, right. just the, um, the whole, like, oh, I love... Oh, not not me. Like I, you know, I donate. I voted for Barack Obama. I voted like, for all Obama this, like, twice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you like I like uh, being like liberal and progressive. Like you meet a lot of of people like that where you're. It's just the, and you feel like like I don't know. It was it was embarrassing almost to, because <laughs> yeah, I could I could see. I'm like I know those people. <laughs> I, I, like, I realize, like, you guys probably had very different feelings watching that movie than I did, too. Because to me, it's like, oh, this is shit that bothers me. Why is me. that? Please allow, please explain in detail. Because I'm dark. <laughs> I'm, not, like, I'm not even black, and it bothers me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're moving on to my number two. And a film I was kind of surprised was not on more lists. And that's David Fincher's The Social Network. I think this film is an absolute masterpiece. Fincher is known for these incredibly complex looks on subjects and the way he is able to make programming look exciting and intense and give it its own light is an absolute marvel. It is, it is uh, anchored in amazing performances by like Jesse Eisenberg is not an actor who I necessarily always enjoy. And I feel like sometimes he tends to go too big. Uh, I've, he is wonderful in just Justin Timberlake is wonderful in this. Andrew Garfield, again, not another actor who I always am crazy about is amazing in this. Uh, Aaron Sorkin's script is uh, whip smart and perfect. That opening scene in, uh, in the restaurant where he breaks up with Rooney Mara is, is, is splendid. It's a film that is so, amazing and specifically like in an era where like i'm right now i'm using facebook messaging to let you guys know what films are coming up like it is the perfect documentary about the most dominant thing in life in the last decade well we've got to be careful about using the word documentary because broad liberties were taken yeah honestly if i had to uh Social Network was good. Honestly, if I was going to pick a Fincher movie in this decade, I'd pick Gone Girl. Gone Girl, to me, was a stronger movie. Yes. And why do you think that that is? Just because I enjoyed it more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
That's I just like, I just can't. Girl, this movie just, I, I didn't. Incredible. I mean, I know it's a good movie, but I just don't enjoy watching movies where like I just hate everyone that I'm like. Uh, I yeah, hate. that's that's the difference like, I think in a social network is I didn't really emotionally connect to anyone in that movie. No, they're all awful. Like I hate all of you. So to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. It, it doesn't detract from how good the movie is, but it yeah. does. Well, it, for me, it does. It's like I just can't. I just I'm like ah, uh, just punch all of their faces. Yeah. But um, I, I feel like was too like with a lot of, like you but know. But you know what though? You know what though? If it's punch all their faces and it, it upsets you, I think one of the main things in a movie, whether it's be happy, be sad, that it made you feel something. It, it, yeah. If it makes yeah. you feel an emotion, it's doing its job. For so sure. I mean, I agree. I, and I, I, I know it's a good movie. Agree. It's just hard for that's me to watch all of those people. That, 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 yeah. Deliver it well. But here's yeah. the thing. Here, here's the big thing for me is this is a movie, once I watched it, I have no desire to watch again. And there are movies where I hate the characters where I will watch it again. And oh. frankly, one of those movies is coming up on my list. So I, I watch this movie once a year. I can watch that opening scene any at any moment at any time i quite frankly will probably just mute you guys and start watching it right now uh, <laughs> hold I'm, I'm honestly gonna rewatch it again to see if maybe i'm maybe i missed something because it was a movie that i truly enjoyed uh i thought it was good and had no desire to see again but i mean i'm older now maybe i'm wrong i it i to me it is i think it's and and Fincher, who has had a brilliant career, I think it's is his masterpiece. Uh, but it always makes me excited, like to see what he's going uh, to do next. But I do I do understand all of your all of your criticisms. Everyone in that film is so punchable, and it is kind yeah. of interesting to watch these ships like fly into each other at an enormous speed. And I think yeah. it's where Aaron Sorkin, uh, like who has not had an enormous film career, like this and Molly's Game, I think were the only films he had this decade. Like he knows so well how to write amazing stuff for characters you do not give a fuck about. Yeah. And like, I, that's wonderful. And the Reznor score, I can't, I cannot, uh, I can't oh, I talk about this same, But the idea this. that this is his masterpiece when he made Seven is... Just that, I, think I think it's a better film than Seven. I think it's a better oh. film than Fight Club. Oh. Uh, uh, wow. Why don't well, you I, close that box right that. out of yeah. oh I, I disagree <laughs> so strongly. <laughs> I, no, yeah, I, Fight, Fight Club's awful in rewatch. <laughs> you know what? I don't know that it is. The only thing that's awful about no, it is no, no. the characters are awful. Like, it's still a really well-made movie, but it's but it, also the toxicity of it is the problem. Like, is it resonates very strongly in it. That, but, I mean, isn't that... Yeah, that's, well, that's not what I was saying. Like, the Wolf of Wall Street I don't enjoy because I, I I just, I hate how just monstrous everyone is. And that doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, that's Martin Scorsese, but I just hated movie? everyone so much. Sorry. I don't, I can't watch the movie and, like, enjoy it. I didn't, no. Which movie was that, you said? Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, oh I yeah. About Coco. Oh, I get what you're saying there, too. Confusing everything. All right. I, I mean, and those are fair, uh, fair cr uh, criticisms, and uh, and I'll certainly take those. I to me, it's still a, a near an, a perfect film. Kate, we're gonna move on to your number two. Uh, I think it's a really interesting choice uh, for number two. I've loved seeing all these lists when they came in. And Kate, your number two film is Thirteen Assassins, and I just want I want to just give you the floor and have you talk about it. Kate? Oh, sorry. I'm muted. I'm muting myself in between talking right. um so i can make sure i'm, I'm trying not to interrupt you guys it's like a problem i have but i'm okay with um, that. <laughs> this movie to me is like um such an amazing like i don't know if you guys are uh, big fans of um 
Takashi Miike. Um, but I really am. I think most of everything he does is just incredible. And uh, this movie was probably the first thing that I've ever seen that he has done. And it is so, like, oh, so, so, like, the story is just, um, just heart-wrenching and just, so you're, you're, it's so visceral, like it's just a terrible, horrible, awful thing that's happening. And you have these heroes who are just willing to completely sacrifice their lives. And they don't think twice about like justice and like taking care of this horrible regime. And um, it's what is happening to these people, just regular people because of this oppressive um, leadership is just terrible. And um, but and they're just like they just all get in this this group collectively and say we will not take this anymore and it's 13 dudes against hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and sometimes that looks ridiculous if you're looking at like the you know matrix revolutions or something like that but this is like you they've got this their swords and um it's simple brutality and just you watch it and you're like it's just um amazing to me to see uh, like bodies piled up on, on each other and, and, and still like you're <laughs> <laughs> you just know like it's just so brutal um but you're rooting for these people and um again you know it's it's uh not as a simple movie in that like um you know ever they win and everything's fine you know it's uh there's a lot of loss and but it's um still like so beautiful no, it's absolutely a gorgeous film. Uh, I, I, it is again just one of those films where you watch and is, uh, and it's not just wonderful in the terms of its scope of action, but in again, I, I feel like that may be a reoccurring, uh, running thing in your films is that like, all of these are made by directors who could have, who are so willing to, uh, go out of the way to almost defy genre in the in the beauty and scope of their direction, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's like everything that like everything is huge, right? Like everything is huge and like to the max and like and it but it's still it you don't you don't roll your eyes, you know? I absolutely I absolutely agree. I I uh I had not seen this prior to it showing up on the list. So first off, thank you, Kate, for uh making me aware of this movie. Oh, I love that you I I love that you saw it. Yeah. It 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 was it was dope. It was so good. Um, the finale is so wildly excessive in its violence and yes. its, how visceral it is, while also doing a, a dynamic job of like storytelling for each of the, the the characters we've been following. They all have arcs even within that framework of chaos. Well, I think, like, it's funny for me, like, I feel like when I like a good villain is someone you can relate to. And this in this movie, like you, the villain is just fucking straight up evil. And you have, have no like you can't connect with this guy at all. But you still like because he's so bad and you you can't wait for them to finally take him down. Like it's still um, so like there's I'm so involved, like emotionally in the movie. I'll like the whole way through. Well, it's 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 amazing because we're we're watching a villain that is so bad. We're not watching a a person so much as a, a concept we are watching people versus an oppressive authority that just happens to be represented in the body of this person everything that that this individual is doing is simply abuse of power that's it and it's expressed in such fantastic intimate moments throughout the lead up to that grand finale where 
the the scope and scale of this movie is so big and yet these moments are so intimate and so visceral and so right there that they're uncomfortable and i i think it's it's an amazing balance uh of 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 those dichotomies i haven't seen it i can't wait I yeah, haven't I, I haven't seen it in a while. I'm excited to get back into it again, but I I'm, remember how much I loved it. It's it's I, I just I'm telling my list. I just messaged you guys in group like you guys talking about this makes me want to watch it. Yeah, so I'm about to watch it again now. I'm going to do that after this. So, OK, well, we'll watch it together. How about that? All right. Well, while uh, well, while we before you do that, let's get to your uh, number two film. And again, wait, when we talk about wait, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, please. I was going to say, are we skipping Gabe? Oh, I'm sorry. We are. No, I didn't mean to do that. I apologize. Gabe, we're going to we're going to uh, get back to you. You have yeah, a really, I love this one. So don't skip him. No, it's it's a really wonderful film. I was honestly one. It was a film where I saw as soon as I saw it on the list, I'm like, oh, holy shit. I forgot about that. Uh, it, it's it's from uh, Joe Cornish. It's it's from 2011 and it's Attack the Block. It's a, a great film. And Gabe, tell us why how it showed up on your list. Um, You know, it was, it was one of those. uh it snuck into my um, library by some bootleg dude coming to my trivia saying, hey, bro, you got to watch this one. <laughs> he gave it to me, man. He gave me the DVD. I have since purchased it um, just to support the movie because oh, I, I love that. You know, that's, love that. that's how uh, stuff should go. Um, but. You know, it's just one of those movies, man. You know, it it uh, it puts a lot of the stuff that I am uh, amazed and interested into, and it wraps it up into a really great story. And then there's also some social and some uh, moral conflicts and resolutions in the movie. Um, you know, uh, and just the idea of like this little ghetto hood kid you know, doing shit wrong in the beginning of the movie and then, you know, just getting to the end and, and surviving. And, you know, it, it, it's got a lot of uh, a lot of themes in it that I really like. I like uh, I, I just like, you know, champions, you know, I, I like coming out of a movie being like, yeah. And then, you know, with all the 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 dialect in it, because it's not an American movie. You know, that's also, it's charming in its own way. You know, charming, I don't know if is the right word to use, but it's just, it's just, it's not an American movie. And it, it was just a great movie to watch. And like, it kept my attention the whole time and it'll do it for me every single time. It's, it's a great movie. It's got a great. I think it's charming. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I'm. Well, for, for me, like, I'm, I love that you touched on, like, the social aspect of it because you're, the whole time I'm like, this, you know, these, these shitty kids who are, like, robbing this lady and terrorizing this neighborhood. And then at the end, you're like, man, you just, I wish someone would give these kids a chance, you know, like, it's, right. um, John Boyega, Boyega is so great in this movie. So great. Um, but, he says in the movie, he's like, yo, if I knew you were from the block, I, you know, you're one of us. And, you know, it's a yeah. social thing where she was white and, and he wasn't. And, you know, that's like, okay, it's a free pass because he couldn't imagine she was living in the same world that he is. And at the end, you know, he's like, give back her ring, you know, and it's just like, you're one of us. And, you know, we're both 
fighting these aliens together, and it's an <laughs> alien movie. What? What Come a cool on. sci-fi movie, yeah. Everything, everything about it, and then you know the copious amounts of weed in the movie, like everything is just like so believable. <laughs> but also, like I think it's like it's a movie where like it's funny and like um like you're really rooting for everyone, but like people die, like for real, like yeah. People- Kids yeah. die. Like gruesome motherfucking death. And then the two little kids. What are their I names? I can't wait to watch this. And something else. Oh yeah. Go no. ahead, Sully. I just said I can't. I have not seen this, but listening to you guys talk, uh, oh. I did a little Google. You this gotta time. see it. Oh, I can't do it, do it. You gotta like honestly, don't watch that other movie if you. Look. If you're going to read oh, this movie, 13 Assassins, watch this too, one don't... first and then check. Then yeah, if, check if, if you're going to watch something tonight, watch this one because it's a lot shorter. <laughs> a lot shorter. I've been furloughed. Uh, I ain't got nowhere to go. I might as well watch it. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a great movie. Look, it's it's got, awesome it's got movie. Nick Frost and the Doctor. Like, I'm on board already. It's it, it, Look, if, if, if you have nothing to do, this will fill up a good two hours of your life and you'll... You'll benefit from it. You'll just I mean, like, I have things yeah. to do, but also I have time to yeah. go. This movie really, like, um, too, like, with Joe, Joe Cornish, like, um, I don't know if you guys remember, like, Edgar Wright was going to be the one directing Ant-Man, and then he backed out. And I was like, great, well, now Ant-Man's fucked. But then when they replaced him with Joe Cornish, I was like, oh, okay, because I'd seen this movie, I was like, this this, this might work out. And That's it totally did. That's what they Ant-Man? Yeah. No, he, well, he directed Ant-Man, yeah. Oh, Ant-Man just, okay, that makes sense to me. That makes so much sense to me. I I didn't know that. Ooh, and that makes me even more excited because you're when you say, oh, it makes sense that he made the same movie. I love Ant Man, and it sounds like it'd be right I up my alley. Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah a, a really a really good job of being able to focus on personal dynamics, like while these enormous fucked up things are happening. It's yeah, my so, favorite. Many, so many different things, so many arcs, so many everything, and yeah, I agree. Personal Our, dynamics make all the difference in the world, I think, in telling a story, which I, so. I know. I absolutely agree. And Waleed, now it is time to keep you talking about your number two film. It uh, Again, another directorial debut, uh, this time from Damien Chazelle. Uh, uh, your pick is uh, is Whiplash. Waleed, uh, see if you can talk about it on my fucking tempo. Uh, I don't know if I can, uh, because that tempo is insane if we're going by J.K. Simmons' tempo, which is all bullshit anyway. He doesn't care. The uh, okay, talk about interpersonal dynamics. That's what this movie is. Um, and the uh, at the beginning of the not this podcast, but when we did the first uh, the top the beginning of our top five, I mentioned that I'm a big care, uh, I'm a big believer in story driven arcs. This is kind of the exception to the rule. The story is to me, this is about J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller and their interaction. Um, I think. If you guys don't know Whiplash is about, it's about uh, a kid who loves to drum. He, well, he's a drummer. He is at a prestigious school, and J.K. Simmons is a director to uh, like uh, of the most prestigious uh, band, I guess, in that. Um, and he is abusive as hell. He is a monster, but Miles. Teller also kind of a monster in his drive for greatness. I, I love music. I love the idea of a strive for greatness in the acting performances in this movie. Uh, this movie just resonates with me in a way that very few movies have. So 
It's it's incredibly powerful. Miles Teller got robbed of his Oscar. J.K. Simmons did not. But it was oh, it was so good. And I will tell you, the acting performances in this are great. You're absolutely right. But this film doesn't work if the music doesn't fucking swing. You know what I mean? Like, the music has to be spot on and perfect. But here's the thing. The music is is spot on and it does sway. Oh, absolutely. And like, and and because of that, it makes you wonder, like, well, were these kids being pushed to achieve a purpose? Like, I think it does make you ask interesting questions like simmons isn't just a a sugar-coated sort of bad guy villain like you clearly see other emotions in him it doesn't work if he plays it one note and he he brings a whole canvas to it he's a monster but he's a monster who believes that what he's doing will provide greatness which adds a certain level to what he's doing and if i'm being perfectly honest i i think it's bullshit you don't teach that way but at the same time uh i also understand the difference of through great struggle, uh, like through like oppression and struggle, sometimes you know, like the catalyst of crushing a coal and then creating a diamond. Like there's a certain fundamental truth to our life. Some people who are pushed and pushed, uh, somehow persevere and come out like magical. And that's what this movie kind of touches on <laughs> and does an incredible way. Like it, it, and like that, just the ending of that movie where you could like you could. These two people hate each other at the end. They hate each other. <laughs> but at the same time, they're also connected and they understand that they just they've they've created something and it's a beautiful moment for me. I watched this today for the first time uh just before we did the podcast because I wanted to get one more in. Um this was one of the most anxiety-inducing movies I've ever yes. watched. Um there were two strong performances in the movie surrounded by a lot of human shaped objects. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Said, I'm pretty sure that was a choice because neither of those two main characters were focusing on view anything else as another person. To they, those they were, two characters, they're all human shaped objects. Like he, when he's talking to that kid, uh, his friend's family, and they're talking, and they all don't understand. And he's like, oh, what? You're just some fucking third-rate varsity quarterback? Who cares? You know? And, oh. yeah, I I hated both of these characters. because they're should. Both and, well, you should. Absolute monsters. Um, it's I, like they're I, playing I, chicken they, with, like, how bad. You, let me ask you this. Do you also kind of respect them? Uh, <laughs> no. Look, the passion is amazing. Really. Like, respect, I mean, respect like what they're trying yeah. to accomplish. You know what I mean? They're self like you can not like them, but you can understand what they're striving for and respect the commitment to what their goal is. Does that make sense? Even if I, it is I, horrible. Yes, it 100%. makes sense. But that could be applied in so many terrible fashions. Everyone yeah. has a motivation. But if you're a monster, you're a monster. And yeah. both of these people were uncaring monsters. <laughs> and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Uh, I'm not saying it was a bad movie. Uh, would it have made my top ten? I watched two people have zero growth uh, for an, uh, <laughs> a movie. Yeah. 
It's interesting. I feel like you could be making you could have just your entire criticism or and your entire view of this film is very much what the social network is also about. Like they have they're very similar exactly. in those regards. You know, well, too. If it wasn't if, I, I didn't say this earlier, but if I'll there was a music that. backdrop to the social network, I bet I would have felt a lot more strongly towards it. <laughs> right. I'm hypocrite and not liking it as much. The group the internet could have done it. <laughs> You know what the thing is? I don't give a shit about the internet. My social media presence is fairly non-existent for what it probably should be, considering I want to, like, perform and do things and get a following. But I don't care about any of that stuff. I find all of the internet stuff bullshit. So the social network almost annoys me in that regard. I don't connect. He also doesn't watch TV, guys, or anything like that. I do watch TV. Fuck you. I'm just... Those people like, I don't even own a television. That's what you just sounded like. like... I, really, I, I, I don't even own a television on the podcast for the best movies of 2010. I don't own a television. Come I don't on. even. Get I don't even. Know. I don't even own a podcast. Um, <laughs> all right, let's jump into. Gabe's got the right idea. He just is, yeah. uh, just dumped all that boozeness. <laughs> yeah. Last, I love it. I know. I'm drinking water like a sucker. Uh, but really? let's jump. Yeah, let's jump you into our. The rest of us. Let's jump into our number ones. Uh, because they are so different and so interesting. And even though some of these films appear on other people's lists, every one of us has a unique number one. And Rick, we're going to start with you. It is the film that showed up on the most lists. It's my number three. It's Skitz's number two. And it's George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road. So, Rick, because it's your number one, take it away. Why is this the best film of the decade? Because I can watch it over and over again, and it's always fun. And it's got a really strong female character. And just the chase scenes are fantastic. Um, I just think that the whole thing about her just beating the shit out of out of men just is amazing. Uh, all right. Well, we know what you're into. All right, I got it. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm into now. There you go. <laughs> Skits, let's hear your thoughts. Here's the thing. Um, <laughs> so my my thoughts also, uh, the reason for how high it is on my list also has a lot to do with rewatchability. Um, this is a movie that's just always kind of cool. Like there's it, there's such a simplicity to it, um, and it it drives forward with such momentum, and it's such a subversion of expectation at the same time um you know it's it's a mad max movie that's never mad max's movie even when he goes and does what's probably the coolest shit that he does when he walks off to go uh stop them uh when they're like uh stuck in the swamp yeah and and he walks off and you don't see anything he does you hear it in the distance and you see the reactions of the people and it it's it it's so interesting how it uses the myth of Mad Max because in, in the narrative of the Mad Max films, that's kind of what he is. Right. He's this weird mythical drifter who just <laughs> breezes through whatever happens to be happening at that particular time. Um and I, I think, yeah, it's it's amazingly straightforward and not simple in a bad way, but it, it, it is it, it's a simple narrative to follow 
and what you're watching is how the people are responding. You watch the dissolution of belief yeah. in, in mm-hmm. Nux, the war boy. You, you watch the, the realization of, of through Nux and through others that a God is not a God, you know, in, in the takedown of Immortan Joe. Um, you, you watch the interplay of suspicion followed by respect between Furiosa and Max, um, the narrative of all the brides. Uh, it's, it's such a, it's such a, 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 a bleak story. You mm-hmm. know? There's a lot of strings. All of them striving for a green place. Yeah. And the green place winds up being a thing that almost kills them. And then it's, it's through, uh, seizing power and, and taking over what was their home anyway, and right. returning it to the, to the people. I, I think it's such a, such a great, straightforward, fun to watch, brilliantly directed, um, amazing use of both practical effects and CGI sweetening. Actually, yeah. I don't think the movie had any CGI in it. That's one of the things that was uh, well sweetening. They they touch things up, but all the all oh. the all the effects are practical. Is that true? I did not know that. Well, no, yeah, that's that's one of the things. Okay, the I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, on Mad Max Fury Road here, and I'm. Thing, seeing as how three of you made it to your top ten, you're not gonna like it. Uh, <laughs> I, I like this movie. It was a good movie, but I think I was. Oh, you're right. I hate that take. Oh, I I had a lot of nerves <laughs> when it came up before I saw it, telling me how it was the greatest thing that was ever made. I watched it again before this podcast to see if I would change my mind, and I'm like, look, this is good. I don't know if it's a top ten movie for me. Um. It doesn't, I don't, I, I, it didn't connect to me. And I understand that it's directed, the direction is unbelievable. It is well, well yeah, I mean, done. How often do you get like well, the same director from the movie 35 years ago, you know, you to say? come back on and, and do the, the, next, <laughs> the yeah. next, you know, the next movie? Like how lucky that they had George Miller doing this. After doing Happy Feet, no less. He, right. Well, it's oh, it's and a really well done movie. I just, I, it like, in a way, I think people ruined it for me by telling me how amazing it was to a point where it would not live up to its expectation. I just... Oh, no, I love it. I think the only reason it didn't end up on my top ten list was because I saw it was already up, so... It was good. I mean, like, I liked it, but it's not like... It wasn't any... It didn't stand out compared to a lot of other action movies, because I, I, this is the thing where story matters to me, and I didn't necessarily connect with the story. It, I hate to say probably, it. It's probably my least favorite... Maybe second to least favorite out of all the Mad Maxes. Oh, wow. I, I wow. Up, are you wow. sure? The Mad Maxes are kind of bad. Like, I, they're, I all, they're fun and I like Hard them. Because they're also, this is actually good. So. Well, I mean, but you're like in on it, though. Like, it's it's yeah. not like um they're, you I, know, I, it's I, not I, like, uh, they're I, not pretentious. I, they're not pretending it's this amazing like, story. Well, no, I agree. Well, well, that, that helps with it. So, so Matt, this was your number three. Yeah. Why was it your number three? Well, and here's the thing, as, and Rick, I'm going to disagree with you here. Where you say you could watch this film anytime, this film is so intense. I have to be in a very specific mood to watch it. Like, I can't just – it's not just something I'm going to, like, turn on for funsies. Like, I I need to 
be ready to have that adrenaline rush. Like George Miller is a masterful director. Uh, and you see it in those other Mad Max films. You see it in some of the other things he did. Like he also directed like the witches of Eastwick and things like that. He knows how to get the perfect emotional response. And on this movie, which is based all about speed and power and control and like uh, violence as a form of both oppression and freedom. He knows how to make you feel that all of the time. It is honestly, as a theatrical experience, it was almost overwhelming to me. Uh, but I also know that that's entirely what he was going for. And it's what makes it so goddamn effective. Like of the, of the, it may be the most effective movie of the decade and what Miller was trying to accomplish versus what I physically felt watching the film. And that, like that has to count for something. And there's a guy with a flaming guitar. How is that not cool? Oh my God. Flaming guitar. Yeah. With the The costumes. The costumes were on point. The set was on point. You know, the action was on point. The story really, to me, was like you opened that Coke bottle yesterday and never put the cap back on it. Like, the action was good, but the story was just like, yeah. I mean, that's just me. But what I'll say is like, and going back to like what we talked about with John Wick uh, earlier, is that like, Miller does not care about you trying to figure out how we got to this point in history. He's just putting you in the middle. Catch up. And I, I, I love universes like that, where it's just like, here are the rules. If you don't like it, you can leave. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people can talk about like character development and stuff like that, but like, this is like, you're right. You're thrown right in the middle. And um, too bad if you don't feel like relating. Like you are you supposed to relate to these people exactly? I don't think so. You're supposed to watch and like enjoy everything that they're doing. You know you'll never is you know never to be able to do jump from truck to truck or it's just it's crazy. Been a woman in the background echoing, I would have cared more about this. But <laughs> so, that's why it, it, that's why uh, that's why John Wick was there higher than Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> there is a lot of character growth in this movie i agree that, i agree with that i agree with that that i think oh, sure, you, there's the no build up like i mean you're thrown right in the middle of their lives right away yeah it didn't even pick my this, was a, this was a really strong movie like you're right it's a non-stop uh it's this movie's just one big chase and it doesn't yeah. stop it's really intense there's so many things that are done right about it i just emotionally i didn't i didn't connect no, and that's, I mean, that's fair. I would say I don't think George Miller gives a shit if you emotionally connected to anything I or not. <laughs> I think he was. <laughs> to be fair, and he shouldn't. He should I, I think he was more interested in telling the story, and I think he does it uh, real well. Uh, Kate, we're moving on to your number one. It is from a director I adore. And again, like in looking at this list, I don't know how there isn't a Christopher Nolan film on my list, but hell, it made yours. And Interstellar made your number one. And I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Rick. Tell me why it's your number one. Oh, I feel like because um, it's such a, um, like, I've, I will, one, I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a big space nerd. Um, and to find a sci-fi movie that's done right, like, um, like my favorite movie of all time is uh, a movie called uh, Sunshine um, by Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle, um, yeah. And uh, and that's like every genre in one movie, but you know it's a sci-fi movie, and the science isn't perfect in it, like any, not anywhere near it. But they really tried. 
Um, and they actually consulted Brian Cox, who's a physicist. Like he even does like the um, there's a version of the movie where you can watch like, you know, he, the voiceover, like, you know, the director's cut. And he's the one who's talking over everything um, and giving like, you like, why did they do this? Why did they do that? This movie felt like so real and plausible to me. But also like, the, I mean, the visual stuff is amazing. Like you I feel like I'm just learning when I'm watching it. But um, I care about everything that happens to every single character. Like I'm invested completely. Um, but it's also so beautiful and like there's so much wonderment and like what they're like they're on these other planets and it seems like it feels like um, it feels real it feels like you know plausible it feels um, like the the consequences are are going to be intense if they don't get this done but you can see the failure and you can uh, be like my god like they gave up so much and um, I just it's such an emotional like ride for me this movie um, and I know there are a couple parts like some people think are kind of cheesy um, like the, you know, ghost is her dad kind of thing. And a lot of people see that. I, I, coming I, I'm pretty glad early. you said it before I could say it, I guess. Yeah. But I, oh. I still, um, found it so like, uh, like the, like every, every bit of this movie I enjoyed, like the, the robots, like being just the weirdest, but most functional robots, you know? And, um, it's, uh, it just seemed like such a, like, maybe this isn't, <laughs> this isn't too far off, but there's, it's still also like hopeful and but tragic you know like um it you felt it like, felt very real yeah this movie did yeah feel like it, it did it felt like like legit what we had to do yeah this is what we would do i i 100 agree with you kate i actually just watched this for this and i was texting kate the entire time pissing her off sometimes because <laughs> this is her number one like i said uh what what did i say this movie is very boring i think he said which uh and then kate responded that yeah it's Christopher Nolan, of course, is pretentious. Which, yeah, right, right. Let's be real; it's true. But this this is a well acted, well done movie. But this was also what I said. She said it. My problem is, I knew, I figured out where the story was going to end in the first ten minutes of the movie, and yeah. that is going to impact how I feel about a movie. Yeah, it, like I, it, it can't I help. You know, punchline. Yeah. That's why I, I don't watch before the joke comes. It, I just thought the journey was so incredible. Like that that didn't bother me. No, you no. know what though? I will say this. The journey was great. And this is a good movie. And not my top ten. There's a reason why uh we'll come to it. My movie, my number one movie, was this instead or was something else instead of Interstellar. It's there is the same sort of movie. Same um, your movie and my movie. And I really thought about about your movie. But um but this one tops it for me, I think just the emotional yeah. impact like this of the, of the is, family it stuff shows I guess, why you're wrong because you didn't <laughs> my movie you make <laughs> man's if we didn't pick waleed's first movie as our first movie we're <laughs> all wrong yeah. I, hey rick rick put his yeah. movie, my movie on his top 10 so yeah, one of us right at yeah. least <laughs> I, I will say uh, about this movie um a, I love any movie that has John Lithgow just being John Lithgow in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty great as like the the grandfather. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, this is I, a great cast to this movie. Yeah, I I giggled when I saw that they did the paper foldy worm wormhole trope from Event Horizon. Um, I love that. I love Event Horizon too. Like I love movies like this. For sure. Yeah, yeah I'm a big sci-fi nerd, so I I think. My biggest complaint about this movie, it has fantastic visuals. The acting is good. God damn, does this movie feel its entire runtime. 
<laughs> yeah. That's a, well, that's I mean, I, I feel like so you're waiting for them to go into space, right? In the movies. first like hour of the movie, you're like, I, where? Oh, when I'm, are they going? I'm not even talking the waiting to get into space. Even when he's in space, I'm like, oh, this is. No, I, I like that. I, I like that. I think you feel, that's deliberate. I think yeah, I mean, because you because the urgency of their situation is and like time and there's this line that like, they oh, have in the movie that I um I I we have to think about time as a resource and it feels yeah. Uh, I I, I think that was a choice, and I don't necessarily disagree with that choice. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. I can watch it, and like, I don't feel like it's long. I mean, I I know that it's long, but doesn't it bother me as far? Have we all seen Interstellar before I say anything? Yeah. Okay. Matt fucking Damon. Holy shit. Yeah. That's the part where, uh, oh my god, his character. I understand it, and it's completely fat. It's completely messed up how he just completely loses his mind. Yeah, a little it's, heavy-handed that he's Dr. Man, right? The selfish yeah. guy? Well, yeah, that that whole thing was so obvious. <laughs> the buildup of, he's the best of us. He's the best no, of us. You know what, though? They, it was, they I, set that up so obviously. Not that it's, again, I, I don't think anything that happened was not deliberate, up to and including the runtime. I uh, think as far as this the is one of those movies where, I agree, this is one of those movies where I agree that, like, you kind of knew where it was going when it was going, but that didn't necessarily detract from the storytelling. Just because you know how a story end, ends doesn't matter. Like, the journeys, like, how you execute a story uh, matters well, just as much, and this movie does it very well. I, I, I think if you're going to kind of telegraph Damon that much, but then not build suspense, you're leaving it you're leaving the turn a little hot i think that though what it might lack in suspense like the intensity like the thrill of like like there are those scenes when like you know when matt damon takes over he just that he just he blows up his um you know his setup on the the ice planet and then he's trying to steal their shuttle and because he, uh, he doesn't want anyone to find out what he did he and, honestly um, stole this movie from me he was so what? good he was oh, so compelled. Yeah, oh, wait, the, that scene where, like, everything's broken and they have to make that attachment. Like, I could, I know what's going to happen and I still um, am like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, do it, do it. Like, it's, it still gets me. Like, like I'm, like, it's the first time I'm watching it. Yeah. Can I, can I just say one thing? The worst thing about this movie was the robot. Like oh, I that's the, the worst that's robot. That's one of my favorite ever. things about the movie. Oh, the I, 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 I disagree completely. <laughs> Look, You're the so robot wrong, is a terrible robot. It's so unbelievable <laughs> as being that far in the future. It's just like no, 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 no. They were no, functional that's, military that's, bots. It was all the government would I could think afford. I think this whole thing is gonna be sleek and beautiful, like fifty years ahead of time. It's not. It's all gonna look like shit. I disagree. I think they nailed it. I think I think that <laughs> robot looks like a 1950s futuristic car. No, no I love it. Um, and, but also, like, like there's, the, I right. mean, the point of the movie is that they might have this technology. It didn't help anyone. You I know, mean, Earth, Earth is still. The robot really killed it for me. It oh, no, I, I loved them shit. so much. And um, there's Tell that scene uh, where robot. they're on the, like, the first planet, Miller's planet. And, um, uh, one of the robots has to save Anne Hathaway, um, and he does the rotating thing. And like, I just, it's just, uh-huh. I think it's really cool. Like, I like, I never would have, you know, whenever you think of like a futuristic, futuristic space robot thing, like I'm thinking you're thinking of, um, you know, uh, like a, someone who lo- it looks humanoid, 
or whatever, but these were just like these funks, like they had purpose, like their purpose was exactly this and that's what they did. And they happened to also rave, they had these programmable personalities, but I thought I loved the way that the robots were portrayed. I wouldn't even put that robot in one of those like killer robot challenges on the end. <laughs> it's a terrible like battle bots. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about the yes. robots. And actually I think not battle bot worthy. The no. robots are one of the better part of the movie twofold. One, I easily <laughs> see the robots being what an iPad would develop into. Yeah. Uh, and and two, you're not going to want for for military purposes, you're not going to want to make your robots human looking because that's going to make it harder to sacrifice them when the time comes. You right. want well, I thought it was oh, hard anyway when they had interesting to sacrifice yeah. they all look like Anne Hathaway. I just, Easy. yeah, that was, I'm, not, I, I'm not willing to lose Anne Hathaway. I'm not going to lie to you guys. We got to keep her. If uh, a shape right. like that, I'm not okay with it. Gonzo. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to keep things moving. I really liked Interstellar <laughs> as well. Uh, because Gabe, we are on the film, your number one film. It is a film that had you asked me to guess what film you would have had as number one, I would never have guessed this. Uh, it's from 2011. It's Crazy Stupid Love. And again, we'll just go back to this. Why is this your number one film? You know, um, movies. Because it, because movies. Uh, that This was one of those films where it just, for me, it was a great movie. Which means it had a story. It had arcs. It had characters that had all their storylines. There was a lot of intertwining with them. The dialogue was wonderful. There was literally zero CGI in it. And it was just one of those stories where, like, you can talk about, like, uh, uh, you can talk about um, lines in it, scenes in it, whatever. And a lot of it, like, sparked a whole bunch of different emotions. It, it, it created emotions. It got an emotional response. And I just think it was, when everything's said and done, the writing, like, you, know, you didn't even have to worry about um, costumes and stuff like that too much for it. Um, it's not a period piece. It's just a good piece where it just puts a whole bunch of different storylines, which are definitely, um, you can relate to them. They're relatable. And it just it just showed a very simple concept of life and what one thing that's happening not not necessarily one thing but several people in the same storyline what the different stories can be you know being being the youngest out of six like if you ask my oldest brother a question he'll give you an answer and i'll give you a hundred percent different answer but that's how the story was. It told so many different stories, and it created yes. so many different emotions, and it was well well written. And the dialogue in it is just perfect. And uh, you know, the love in it, the 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 pain, all of that stuff. It was great. I, I think I thought it was a wonderful movie. And if I, I, I got to jump in on this because yeah. I am sorry. Um, I did not put any rom-coms on my top ten list. If I had, it would have been down to two movies, uh, either Crazy Rich Asians or yeah. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, man, like, I love this movie. This is a movie uh, – If you, has, has everyone here seen Crazy Stupid Love? Yeah, I've seen it. Mm -hmm. yep. 
Yep. Well, it is a movie about basically the entire. This is a rom com that takes place through the entire length of a divorce, mm-hmm. uh, of two people who very clearly love each other and have made mistakes. These are very human characters. Yeah. Uh, every character in this movie is relatable. When they make actions, you understand why they made them, and you agree with those actions, and they all are very well-intentioned, even while they're completely fucking up their own lives. This is a beautiful, amazing movie, and I'm so glad that, like, you... Gabe, I'm glad you had the courage to put this movie on your top ten list, because the certain intellectual part of my brain is like... I can't put crazy, stupid love in my top ten list, even though I kind of wanted to. This right. is a great fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I will say, Gabe, hearing you talk about this movie, I went and I looked who wrote it, and it's done by Dan Fogelman, who also created the television show This Is Us. And when I hear you talk about how much you loved how these stories were intertwined and how they all come together and the stories they tell and how kind of sweet and 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 what exactly is trying to happen it reminds me a lot of and i have not watched a lot of that show but it's my wife really enjoys it and it, she describes that show the same way you describe this movie so it's very clearly a predecessor and i think it works really well yeah, in that's, that regard that that's the writer's wheelhouse <laughs> Well, and he also did a lot of Disney stuff too, like yeah, Tangled and Cars. And, uh, oh my God! Well, no wonder I love it. Then I love Cars. I love Tangled. <laughs> Me too. I'm just, yeah, I'm just I, not I, a love story that, person. And, I'm just not. Uh, my last girlfriend really wanted me. Because you have no heart, Kate. Uh, We've already discussed this. <laughs> yeah, I guess I have to. Care, you have to care about people to relate to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, love just let us in, Kate. He care about he wants people. to love you. You just won't accept it. No, I really like all the performances in this film. I think it does it yeah. does its job really yeah. well. Oh, there's there's great there's great scenes, there's great moments, there's great lines. There's it, it's it's a great movie and and the Marissa cool Tomei thing in this movie is unbelievable. She's so good cuz she fucks everything up. She's crazy, but she's also like I love her character cuz she's She's crazy, like, but she's everything. stupid and in love. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> what? That's the name of is very bitter in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> She's so bitter and angry at everything. All right. Well, we will uh, <laughs> let her be bitter and angry, and we'll move on to, uh, a, again, an, another film I really like. The film almost made my list. Rick, it is your number six. But Waleed, it's your number one. So I'm going to give you the floor, and Rick, I'll let you come in right after. It's uh, from a, a, a Denis uh, Villa. I don't know how to pronounce his name, of, of Villeneuve. Uh, it is Arrival. So Waleed, we'll start with the question we've been asking. Why is this your number one film? Because this movie is incredible. Um, so, I am a big sci-fi guy. I love science fiction. I, has, has everyone here seen Arrival? Yes. Yep. If you haven't, yes, tell so me great. now. Okay, because I'm going to talk about Arrival. If you have not seen Arrival, I'm going to say this right now. Anyone who's listened to this podcast, fast forward like two minutes, because I'm going to give spoilers now. Um, this movie touched on time in a way... I didn't even realize could be done in a movie. And even having rewatched it, I still appreciate how artfully done it is. Yeah. Um, this movie turned a flashback into a flash forward and like understanding how your life would go 
uh, if you had the knowledge and shaping it. It's such a brilliantly artfully done film but at the same time it's also very realistic how if aliens arrived on this planet like i understand kate's love of interstellar because it feels grounded in reality uh arrival has that same feel if alien ships arrived how we would respond this movie felt very grounded in reality while yeah being i agree sci-fi mm-hmm. it's such an incredible film and amy adams journey in it is so so fucking good despite yeah. like and it's really interesting watching someone leap into the future to take that knowledge of what had happened to make the future go right and taking that knowledge and putting it into the present it's such a great concept it's so yeah, good like if you could if you know something is painful and but would you experience it anyway you know yeah. like it's it's right it is it's a lot to think about it's 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 a really oh really my god cool story yeah it, like it blew my mind and even watching it, uh, even watching it, knowing what's going to happen, in a way, I appreciate it more. Like the choice of knowing you're going to have a daughter who will die, yeah. but you have her anyway and go through that pain to experience that love. Oh, my fucking God. It's a very it's an extraterrestrial story while also being a very personal story. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And this is. This is just one of my favorite movies. I don't give a shit about decades. This movie is incredible. The tension is cool, too, because you feel like, too, like, if if this happened, like, everyone would just, their fingers on the trigger the whole time, and you feel like, yeah, yeah that's probably, the, and I mean, some people, And some military guys yeah. go on and act, like, on their own because they feel like they have to act first. Like, it's a very understand, especially now, where people are just being fucking crazy. Like, you understand that impulse to, like, like, you have to act. You have to strike before they strike you. Like, I right. get that. It's visceral, and you relate to it. Rick, why don't you give us some of your thoughts on this film? Well, if you can make a linguistics professor your heroine, that's pretty fucking good. Yes. <laughs> People are like, what the hell? And that whole military thing Legit. about them trying to, you know, it's it's it equates to today when we have a bunch of Neanderthals running around in crowds thinking that they're they're smarter than the science. Yep. There's, we don't want to believe science because science is facts and shit. So, and I just just the way it was filmed, um, and the build up to 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 the twist with her and her daughter, and it was just amazing. I loved it. It was a great <clears throat> it was a great film. It was um, well written. The way they delivered it, everything. This is. Um, uh, this was 2016. The way that I, I looked for my movies was I, I just went through like um, a bunch of Google searches through each year of the decade. And this is one of two movies of 2016 that I wrote down. And I I, um, I wish I could have put it on my top 10, but I didn't. The other 2016 was a Sausage Party, uh, which I thought was okay. <laughs> Well, clearly you've made bad decisions. That's what I hear. Like, <laughs> 2016 was pretty Not terrible all around. That sounds exactly yeah. like 2016. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like it was like this. 2016 was such a sausage party. Not, not, neither of them made the cut for me, but um, I think that Arrival was a great movie, and I, I liked uh, the message and uh, you know the the um, forbearance or forethought in it. Um, and I also like uh, 
some of the effects that they did when they were going down that tunnel and like uh that was really cool it was like yeah oh what oh shit and it was it was good i like how they did a lot of the stuff in it and um you know it Contact was like a uh, what was that a nineties movie? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the Robert Zemeckis film. My the problem same. with Contact is I've read the book, so that movie just pisses me off. It just gave me like, the same feeling as Contact. Like, but I understand why you feel that way because right. Contact no, it, they're very similar. Yeah, yeah. So and and that's kind of why it didn't make the list because it was so like uh, in the avenue of Contact, but. Um, I'll have to say it was one that I wrote down and I circled and it just didn't make the top 10 for me. Yeah, just missed my list uh, uh, as well. Forrest Whitaker is really great in this. Yes, um, he is. As we were talking about with like people, and I think as Kate was talking about, people, everyone having like their hand on the trigger and him doing that, but not doing it in such a ridiculous like Doctor Strange love way. Well, you Being, understand the, the reasoning. Like you oh, don't want to... You know, you don't it, like you don't understand what's happening, and it's you know to be afraid is natural. Yeah. And no. you know, people handle like you want to defend your people. You know, but like I loved the um the alien like the aliens like what a cool concept mm-hmm. because when we whenever we think of like um what extraterrestrial life is, it's always you know carbon based like we are. Humanoid. And I just, these were so different than anything. Yeah. You know, this is such a different take on like what aliens could be like. That's one thing that I super agreed with it because I argue with my friends all the time. I'm like, we don't fucking know what aliens look like. They could be smoke. They could be water. They we, like we put them in no the idea. We put them in our own image because that's the right. only thing we can comprehend, and that's not necessarily uh, that's a we lack have, of imagination. Look, we this movie showed imagination. Yeah, I mean, what a yeah. what a cool way to portray. Extra like extra extraterrestrial life and like communication like Rick was saying like um that was so important like yeah you know I I've never thought about that before because they always do the lazy writing thing where like we can understand each other or someone's got like an interpreter device or something yeah. you know like right. but I mean but to find a way to communicate with how to being, communicate yeah like well like just way these way advanced beings like how to communicate with them like that never had like really occurred to me before and that like with us, that's the problem stupid. <laughs> it's I, such a good movie it's so good no it's a really wonderful again, film i want to throw a, a, a couple thoughts in i had not i it's another one i hadn't seen until uh we were making the list for this podcast um it's amy adams appearance number three on the list i believe yes uh, yeah and it is i think one of the strengths of the movie is the the framing and the sound design that creates the atmospheres of claustrophobia and panic in the yes. fists up to go. Oh, I agree. That, That's that something, yeah, like, what a good perspective. Great observation. Visceral. Yep. Uh, that said, uh, I think the weakest part was the, the romance. Like, Yeah, they, I get they, that. They telegraphed it while never making it feel earned. Yeah, I feel like thing. that's part of, like, that was I disagree. For, like, I'm going to disagree with you because I think you missed it. Uh, the romance I'm, I'm, yeah, just ahead. started at the end of the movie. Like you feel like it's telegraphed, but it's not because it hasn't even. It's only just beginning now. That's the but, point. But like the the flashbacks and everything. I, I I I think the way that they begin it isn't a beginning. Yeah. I, well, I, 
I, I, I guess they sacrifice the chemistry. Is outside know? of time. It starts. It's it's not a beginning. It's not an ending. No, which time I, isn't which I, a beginning or ending. Which I understand if you're Amy Adams' character, but if you're the other character, you're not out of time. You you're I not seeing the audience. All time at the same but that movie, we are the audience. We are all out of time. That's how that movie was directed, and that's why it resonates. Yep. yep. There. Like I said, that, that was the only the only Look, nitpick. Nitpick all you want. Just understand, I'm gonna fight you on this. This is <laughs> well, movie for and a I, And I think speaking out of time, acknowledged and dismissed. And I think speaking about a time, we're gonna uh, bring this conversation uh, out of time because skits. I want to hear about your number one, a directorial debut uh, by Boots Riley. Uh, it is uh, sorry to bother you. And again, we'll just ask the same question. Like in a, a decade of great films, why is this your number one? I don't think there is another film that more directly tackles uh, a condemnation of capitalism, a critique of race relations, uh, and, and manages to do all those things in a very surreal and fun kind of way where it is clearly... Uh, uh, an analog for our version of reality, but it takes some wild turns. But at the same time, they're turns that if they were uh, possible, you could absolutely see how that escalation takes place based on the framework of, of hell, what our actual society looks like right this moment. Oh, absolutely. There is such a a real like this movie, as fantastical as it is, its reality is terrifyingly close. Um, and that's all I could think of when watching it is that like how effective of a satirical nature this film has and how it is anchored in some really amazing performances including david cross being the white voice that you hear on the other end of the phone that's a perfect casting choice if there was anything that if you had to tell me the white voice david cross david cross just sounds like white guy voice (laughs) yeah david cross and then uh uh pat oswalt as the other main yeah yeah white guy voice and and they're both perfect i so i a little context for this movie. Um, I've been a fan of Boots Riley and, and his, his, uh, his band, the coup for quite some time. And so when I saw that he had published this screenplay back in, I think it was like 2014 or, 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 you know, some years before it was made, um, I read it. And then when hearing that it was actually going to get made, I was like, there's no way. Has everyone seen it? Yeah. I've not seen it. Yes. Yeah. I want to see. I I have. there, there is a, a turn at the end, and I thought, there's no possible way this plays on screen. And because of the world building that was done and some of the, the stylistic choices in the, the set design, the character design, the wardrobe choices, the weird little nuances, like uh, any times Cassius calls somebody, he is transported into wherever they happen to be. Um, the, the, the choices in, you know, just the, the, the cute little moments where he says, Hey, put 40 on pump six and throws down 40 cents because 
that's the level of broke. Like I, mm-hmm. I rec, I, I see that's played for hilarity, but that's a level of broke that is, is, but it also feels real. real. Oh, like, absolutely. For, for people who've struggled for money that connects, that resonates. Look, I love, sorry to bother you. My biggest problem with the movie is the ending. Uh, I'm, the I'm right there ending. with you. Um, I wish he left it more open ended is what I will say. Yeah, I think that for me, and for me, look, I love when someone takes a big risk. And the ending of this film is a huge risk. I feel like it gets a little bit away from Boots Riley. Um, uh, Especially because I feel like everything before that was so effective. Like, I I feel like Get Out is a very similar film uh, in that regard. In that, like, it's it's – the satire cuts – so hard that the and again it's a movie i really liked it made my top 10 of that year but um it gets it gets away from it just a little bit too much to be to have made my list that that's exactly my problem with it uh i don't want to spoil it for you guys but i'll just say like if the ending had been stronger it would have been in my top 10 is what i I don't even know stronger i don't think stronger is even the right word i just feel like it uh, it was just a chance it was just a, a chance. Again, it was to me like it was, I, it was choice he made, and I think it was the wrong one because it was him pushing his own. I think a good director leaves it open to the audience to make their own choices. I, well, it was I don't pushing. I don't think you can see this film and not consider Boots Riley a good director. No, no, I agree with that. But I'm saying is like what changes it from good to great is the idea of you impression pushing your own agenda on someone as opposed to letting them make that own conclusion. <laughs> I, up to the I mean, did he have that, I mean I, does he have that choice to like, I, if you're telling a story and you want people to understand, if you, you see know, that he does have the choice and he doesn't take it. That's the problem. I just think like, if you're really trying to make people get like where he's coming from, um, I think the that, entire length of the movie tells you where he's coming from, and he's well, fucking. I don't right. know. I, I, but I, I love this movie. I mean, I've also been a fan of Boots Riley for a long time. I like with the Coop and Street Sweeper Social Club, and I remember like when this movie like was coming out. I didn't know about the script. Um, but I didn't either. It was exactly like if I had ever imagined him making a movie, this is exactly like I, I. It was exactly. It's, it's like he's. It really like um. You feel him like all over the movie. Like he's not. Uh, I, yeah. I don't like when someone I, gets a little bit too pushy and pushing their agenda on me. Well, I, I think I, I he's very like he's got this like done. real punk rock. Like yeah, um, the, knowing yeah. the director, I I think helps, and every every element of of his art tends to, you know, one of the last times I saw him was speaking at the socialism conference that happens in Chicago every year. So like, I don't yes, know if he's the kind of guy that's capable of leaving his opinion out of it. Yeah. 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 No, it's, I understand what you're saying, but I'm I, saying he's a guy who doesn't wait, wait, know wait, wait, him. Wait, hold and, on. Hold on. Hold okay. On. Let me finish this thought in defense of the ending. And yes, I know the complaint is that the agenda is pushed a, I think that's, that's a choice. That's not an accident. I do agree you, with that. You, you can't look at, the world as it stands right now, whether it's what's happening at the Tyson plants in Iowa, or you look at what's happening at any Amazon warehouse across the country and think that the leap that the ending takes isn't a conceivable natural extension of capitalism as it is right now, if it were an option on the table. And I think that's the point being made is yes, look how absurd 
and ridiculous and awful and just, again, absurd. This is, and yet it is no more absurd than the actual reality we're living. And that contrast of, look, if we take it to a wild conclusion, and now look how much that mirrors the actual truth. And I think that as a choice is a bolder decision than most other movies that have tried to tackle this subject. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an excellent point. Uh, so I think we're gonna we're coming down to the last uh, number one film, and I weirdly think we're probably gonna be the one that we talk about the least, um, uh-huh. just because I don't I don't know how many people have seen this film. Uh, but it's my number one film is Inside Lewin Davis, and to answer the question about why it's my number one film. It's because it's my favorite directors doing their best yes. work. This is from the Coen yeah. brothers. This uh, is the, not, not best work. Cause big Lebowski still exists. I, I would absolutely disagree with you. I think this is I the best Coen brothers film that it follows Oscar Isaac, who is a folk singer in the, in the, uh, in the, the early 1960s kind of, uh, struggling with his own hubris, struggling, trying to make a name for himself. It is a film that feels timeless while at the same point also like it's funny as I look at some of the other films on this list, I, I feel so much connection to it. Like once upon a time in Hollywood, it is clearly a love story about a certain time, like films like get out and sorry to bother you. It it does deal. It has a lot of issues with class like films like arrival. It has these amazing performances and the fact that it does it all together and has some of the most beautiful music creating some of the most beautiful scenes is it makes the film absolutely perfect to me uh oscar isaac who i think i know skits will mention uh this is his uh third or fourth dance on this list fourth dance on this list is is one of those characters, and I realize maybe this is a reoccurring thing in my list, that is so unlikable. There is nothing to like about this guy, and yet gets by with this talent and skill and this so beautiful talented. voice, and he plays his own guitar. Um, this film is, is to me, it, it is it is precious and it is dear. It is something I could watch literally at any point in time in my life i am so happy it exists legitimately what my criteria came down to is if i only had to keep one film from this decade and had to get rid of everything else the film i'd keep would be inside lewin davis has has anyone else seen this film besides right yeah yeah. no i understand i'm not huge on the coen brothers but i mean it's it's i i agree that it's a a great movie now leave now it's not even (sighs) i just wrote it down i haven't seen it yet no it's it's i love the movie yes i love the coen brothers so much i don't think it's their best movie i don't know if it's not it's not not that it's not their best movie this is a very good movie yeah but it's a it's hard to say because every movie they make is very unique. And I know they veer towards comedy a lot. This is not a comedy, but this is also a very artfully done film. Like, I, Oscar Isaac is he's so incredible good. in this movie. He's yeah. compelling. I mean, 
To oh. me, this is to me this is the performance of the year, and that's or the performance of the decade. And not even when you factor in the fact that like he's also besides giving this amazing performance, also like playing his own guitar and singing his own songs. Um, uh, Justin Timberlake shows up in a supporting role, showing that when like he is being directed by good directors, he is a very good actor. Uh, yeah. uh, Carrie Mulligan is sure. brilliant. Adam Driver is I don't Adam like Driver, Adam Driver for the comedies. Yeah. For the comedies on this list, I did not laugh harder than listening to the three of them sing that song about the space race in the in the studio. I it I it's it's such a wonderful film. I, it looks like is, Adam Driver is the best part of the movie. Oh dear, oh, just great. Uh, John, um, John Goodman will never never not be welcome in a movie, especially a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yep, I agreed. For yep. me, the biggest problem with this movie, the, there's a point in the movie where Oscar Isaac is auditioning, and the the comment made is he's just not an interesting solo act. And I think the biggest problem for me is that rang true. At no point during any of his multiple full song performances did I find him to be a engaging performer. I thought that's kind of the point, though. Well, yeah. That said, the musical numbers uh, go on so long that they're tedious. I so if I don't find him fascinating, and I don't like the music. And no, uh, I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying, but that I was kind of the point. But it's also, but it's also why it's not on my top ten. I enjoy yeah, this yeah. movie a lot, but I, I, I understand what you're saying. Weakness. It is. It grows tedious okay. in expressing like. How in contrast to Whiplash, where the music does not grow tedious. Well, but I, it's actually very compelling throughout the movie. And I do, to bounce off Waleed's point, I do think that, that that is the point. That, like, you see Isaac dealing with his limitations. That, like, he's a very good performer, but he's not a great performer. Yeah. And that and that is why, like, I think the film ends with, like, a solo Dylan song. Yeah, because you remember what he can bring but you it also shows like you see the difference in them and like you you see what a unique and individual artist is and the difference between a guy who's like always good like oscar isaac is good i'm sure and like he's probably that guy who like plays a lot at parties but like would never be someone who like you're listening to records and i think the cohen's that they give such a care skits i understand how that's something you could find uh, uh, a little cloying and like a little long, but to me, like the 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 patience and willingness they're showing to watch him be like pretty good, I think is a really uh, impressive choice. Like I think it's a really interesting choice that the Coens pull off, and I, I again, I it it brings out such a uh, such wonderful feelings in me, specifically thinking about like the nature of art and artists. I I feel like the Coen Brothers like are famous for like slow burn type stuff and um when I like one of my favorite movies is No Country for Old Men and okay. uh, even though like otherwise I'm just not like I I didn't care for Fargo I'm one of the only people like on earth I don't know um yes you are why are you so I know it's so bleak and like they uh, I don't know I um I just feel like that it almost worked against them in this movie where like. I'm like, okay, what's the what's gonna happen? Is anything gonna happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know, like it, it almost was it was almost boring for me, and I feel bad saying that because I know you love this movie, and I do love like the performances and stuff, and I I get, um, yeah, it, it, it just it was it was just hard for me to sit through. 
No, and it's fine. And like, and it's certainly about a character who doesn't have an arc. And like, it it is about this like three days in Oscar Isaac's life. And it does make you wonder like why those days were chosen and things like that. And again, it's one of those movies and it's the most, it's the most important thing I could say about it. Like it's one of the most things that I love about a movie is like when the movie was done, my next question is like, well, where is this guy a half hour from now or a month from now or a year from now? Like I wanted to know, and I'm sure it was going to be like, I'm sure he was just going to continually fail somewhere, but like just to follow it was so engaging. No, I think that a lot. Uh, and I think that's gonna wrap it up for us, guys. We we had a lot of fun. Um, hey. We're gonna go. We're gonna go around the horn, and everyone say um, where people can find you on social media or anything else you have to promote. Uh, Skits. Let's start with you. Um, I'm on the various things at Skits Jones. S K I T Z J O N E S. All one word. Uh, I have uh, my own podcast, The Trash Fire of Talk. Uh, admittedly, most of the things that I do have been kind of quiet uh, during quarantine lately. But if you follow me, I'll do something interesting eventually. Hi, <laughs> Gabe. Gabe, how about you? Um, you can uh, just go to my website, Go For It Entertainment. It's the number four. Um, we do a lot of trivia. We do a lot of comedy and DJing stuff. Um, you know, I'm on, on uh, Snapchat, MCG Spot, and other stuff, but go for it. Entertainment is uh, where you can find all of that stuff. And, and yeah. All right. Waleed, where can people uh, search you at? Well, I am one of the founding members of uh, the award winning website, Football Absurdity. If you're big into fantasy football, we're starting to prep after the uh, NFL draft to prepare for the season, which we hopefully will have, but. Unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, we don't know what will happen. Um, hopefully, everything will work out. And if so, all your fantasy football needs can come to uh, come to you from footballabsurdity.com. Thank you. Uh, all right. Kate, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at, um, at PunchKatesFace. Um, and then I don't know if you know this, Matt, but I'm a stand-up comic also. Um, don't know if you knew that. Did I not uh, call you a comedian in your intro? Uh, no, no, you didn't. Um, oh. I under, what, so I get it. I understand how you feel. Um, it's because I was more interested in the wonderful content you give Fancy Boys Club. Yeah, you dumb oh. liar. Um, it was more like, like I've seen you on stage multiple times, Kate. Yeah, but you forgot somehow. So I get it. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can see me performing. I mean, hopefully, when if you're still living in a few months, um, I might be able to get on stage again. Uh, but yeah, just um, uh, and then yeah, Fancy Boys. Um, we love writing for for that website. Such a fantastic um, website to be a part of. So um, yeah, those are the places. All right, and uh, Rick, where can people see you? Um, you can find me at uh, at Copyright on Twitter, um, on the Facebooks. Um, sometimes I do stand up. Sometimes I host stand up at in Comedy Mel, the Ethereal Confections. In Woodstock, if it's, it's still a good show. Was that? I, I said show? it was a really good show. It was a lot of fun Thank when you. I was there. Yeah, it, it is fun. But uh, if it still exists, because <laughs> it's keeps being canceled. <laughs> um, and, um, and a contributor to Fancy Boys. There you go. All right. Well, uh, 2010 
uh, or 2020 may uh, be real shitty, but I'm glad I got to talk about the 2010s with you guys. And uh, and uh, thank you guys so much for, for being part of this. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank so you very much, much for having thank us. You. Thanks. Cheers. See you next And there you have it. That was so much fun to do. I had an absolute blast with it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as uh, we enjoyed making that for you. If you liked what you heard, we ask that you please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. You can also always just go to FancyBoysClub.com to read some great articles. Uh, This week I wrote about installing a garage door opener. Uh, Jordan Holmes had a wonderful guest piece, Rick Copper Talks. Uh, about quarantine, which I guess is still a thing. Uh, And Michael Grace is getting into talking about the Korean baseball organization. Uh, That is something I've been really excited to read. I think he hits it out of the park. And we have great stuff coming out next week and, you know, every week. So fancyboysclub.com is where you go for that. Uh, And let's cover our social media. If you want to send us an email, you can knock that out at fancyboysclubblog.com at gmail.com you can visit us on facebook and twitter at fancy boys club and instagram at fancy boys club blog the fancy boys club is executive produced by brandon andreessen jack baker and myself our music is by kevin mcleod thank you guys so much for listening uh we'll see you next time